a Superman action figure in a toy coffin, a blue shirt and red jacket, a first flight in the sun above the Arctic tundra. These are some of the moments that define my Superman fandom. Together on this podcast, we journey across time and media to examine, discover, and reconsider the creative visions that have shaped the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to reconsider the 1997 Steel movie starring Shaquille O'Neal is returning guest, comic book artist, V. Ken Marion. Welcome back. Yo, thanks for having me back. I am so psyched to talk about Steel, uh, one of my absolute favorite characters from my childhood and now. And yeah, dude, this is going to be great. Can't wait. I remember... We did a panel. I moderated. You and comic book writer Brandon Montclair were guests on on this panel at Undiscovered Realm Comic Con a couple of years ago in White Plains, New York. And I remember that might have been the first time or definitely one of the first times that I got a sense of your deep fandom for the character of Steel because I think it was actually an audience question. I, someone might have asked, like, who's a character you would love to do a run on or something like that? And you came up mm-hmm. with Steel. And I was like, oh, like, I, I it, it just wasn't something that I would have, you know, automatically assumed. So, uh, so yeah, so I take it then you you have been a Steel fan for uh, for some time. I would be shocked if there's another comic book artist out there that cares about steel as much as I do. Like that would, that would absolutely shock me. Now, now I, there's definitely artists and writers out there who know more about him factually, like in terms of like the chronology of like, you know, what happened in his books and stuff. But to find one who actually cares about the character as much as me would like absolutely shock me. Like he is one of my favorites from when I was a kid. And yeah, it's, it's a character I always thought was super cool. And yeah, man, like in no small part, thanks to, uh, the action figures and this movie that we're about to talk about. So yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, we'll get into all of that. And I, I do want to get even more of a sense of, of your steel fandom. It's it's a fandom I share. I mean, I think you your fandom surpasses mine, but I honestly, especially after Superman and Lois, which I know I don't think you're caught up on and maybe some of our audience is, isn't as well. So I won't I won't spoil anything. But, you know, I think at this point, it's at least safe to say that steel plays a role. And through that show in particular, uh, my fandom for the character really has deepened. And it's so fitting that we're doing this episode now right on the heels of the Crisis Till Death event that I did because we just talked about Reign of the Superman and the introduction of Steel. And so I think it's perfect now to have this conversation. Now, people who listened to the last episode might remember that I said you were coming back on the show and we were going to do this deep dive into the visual evolution and style of Superman. And in fact, the Steel discussion was going to be a Patreon bonus episode. So what happened behind the scenes was that you and I, I think separately, both got really excited about talking about Steel after we each did our rewatch of the movie. And through our texts and everything, we both kind of came to the same conclusion that, you know, we'll, we'll touch on the visual evolution of the character, and, but maybe we'll save that for a fuller discussion down the line. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we were just really excited to talk about Steel. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. And not only did we watch the movie, but we read, I read issue number one. Did you read? I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there's, we'll get into it in the show, but there's a lot of good comparisons, I think, between that first issue of the, what, what year was that? 1994? Yeah. I think the 1994 series steel. Yeah. Which is like the best steel series there is. Um, I don't know if there ever was another one, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's only 99 cents on comiXology. So if you guys like what you hear, hear us talking about it, you should go to check it out and maybe you'll become a, a giant fan like like I am. So 
and like Anthony is, or he's like I said, not not as big a fan, but definitely I can tell, I can see it in your eye that you're like, you're, you're digging the character, which I'm happy about. <laughs> I am. I am. You know, I was, it, it's a, uh, for, for me as on this Superman fan journey, like steel is definitely kind of having a moment within my fandom because again, from Superman and Lois to the reread of reign of the Superman to the rewatch of the steel movie and reading steel number one, I'm like, I'm all about steel. So we have a lot to get into, but again, as promised, uh, you know, I, I, while I have you, um, I, I would love to talk a bit about the visual evolution of Superman. And this was actually an idea that you had originally proposed, uh, to, to mm-hmm. do an episode on. So, I mean, let me, let me turn it over to you first. I mean, when, when, um, I, I guess what initially made you want to, to have a discussion on this, like, what is it about the visual evolution of Superman that you find interesting? Well, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it was like I started thinking about this maybe probably 10 years ago when like the new 52 happened and like they got rid of the underwear and gave him a collar and like and, and at the time I remember a lot of fans like it being very divisive like some people like loved it and some people like absolutely hated it there didn't really seem to be anybody in the middle and like at the time I thought it was kind of like like while radical like he still looked like Superman to me like it was like no one's not going to mistake him for not being Superman you know and like I tried to like take a step back from it and like your average person on the street, like probably wouldn't even notice the difference between like the old costume, and the new 52 costume, you know what I mean? Like, so it, it got me thinking about how like Superman, like never really had drastic costume changes that were like permanent, right? Like if you look at, I don't know, like any Avengers character or like, like the fantastic four have had multiple iconic costumes. Like Wolverine has multiple iconic costumes. Um, Superman never really had that like to, to that extent. But I still feel like he like visually changed so much from decade to decade, like how he was drawn, like how his face was drawn, how his physique was drawn, how like just how the stories themselves were drawn in terms of like, like the 60s stories were very almost whimsical. You know what I mean? Or not the 60s, the the 50s, like from like between the 40s and before like the Marvel explosion happened when they were like very crazy, like when he'd get like lion's heads and stuff like that, you know? So it's just, it's, I think that, visual evolution of the character is very interesting in that in that sense yeah i mean you bring up a great point that is true uh, you know again fans no matter what fandom we're talking about I mean, fans do take a lot seriously when it comes to characters and stories that they're passionate about and you know all of us have you know certain things that fall into that category for us but uh, yeah that oh, is absolutely, a, absolutely but that is a great point with superman where it's like even a small change you know, really can elicit a strong reaction. And I mean, look, the, you know, one easy example would be the trunks, the red trunks. I mean, that was like Mm -hmm. such a big deal. Um, But, you know, to your, but, you know, to your point, like, especially with the new 52 costume, it's like you said, it's like no one would, would mistake that for a different character. Like it's still very clearly Superman, but you know, it had Mm -hmm. the collar and it didn't have the red trunks and, and it's, uh, it's like, yeah, these subtle changes. And even, you know, I was thinking about this too, in terms of just this, this evolution, it's like, and the style generally too, where um, the like the the S logo, that shield, it's like you can tell like so many artists have put their stamp on it, and you can look at so many different versions of the S and be like, oh, like that's that's the Jim Lee S or that you know. Yet it mm-hmm. it still has the same basic elements, and I mean, I guess you could say yes, that's art generally, and may, I'm sure you could say that about a lot of other characters. But I feel like especially with Superman, um, again, like a lot of artists have made their mark with with slight variations on the same basic elements like it, it is really interesting yeah well like especially talking about the symbol like even when they're tweaked right like in the new 52 he didn't have the bump 
on it. It was just kind of like a like a the S didn't have the bump on the bottom. It was just kind of like flat and angled. Like it still looked like the Superman S or like the Alex Ross one where it's like the Kingdom Come, where it's just like almost like a like a stripe. Like you can still like even though it's black, like the black instead of yellow, and even though there, you don't really see like a huge S shape, it's like the combo of like the the shape, like the diamond shape with the red. Like it just it works. You know what I mean? And like if you see someone wearing that shirt, like even if you don't read comics, like you still understand that as a Superman shirt, you know, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's something so elemental about it that, yeah, even when you, when you boil it down to, like you said, with kingdom come like that straight line, like it's still, it still conveys the meaning. I mean, there's so much power behind it. And of course that goes hand in hand with the history Like you know, we've, we've been with this Mm -hmm. character and the symbol for, for so long. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad we are having this discussion. I'm glad we're having it now because, you know, as, as you and audience knows, I mean, I spent many past episodes on, on this podcast going through, you know, pre-crisis Superman, right? We did episodes on the golden, silver and bronze ages. And then, you know, more recently, right, coming off this big run of episodes, looking at the period from 86 to 93 post-crisis. And then again, most modern Superman I, I have already read and will continue to revisit on the podcast. But so I feel like now I do have kind of a good sense of the evolution that the character has gone through. And, you know, I guess the question that I, I would pose to you, and we were talking about this a little bit off mic before, is... And again, I know you can say this for other characters too, but particularly with Superman, you know, who's meant to represent the best of us. It's like, mm-hmm. how have you, how have you noticed the character of, or how has the evolution sort of reflected, um, you know, changing, you know, I guess changing ideas about, uh, you know, the I- ideal physique or things like that. Cause I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause, cause I, we were saying off mic that I think like Superman, like it's interesting. Cause if you look at the way he's drawn, like he kind of represents what at the time what culture deemed as like like the ideal human being you know what i mean in like weird ways um so like like and i i don't know if that's so much like artists trying to make him look like actors or whatever of the day you know like it might be a little bit of that or might be but like i feel like the 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 original 1940s superman who looked a lot like my grandpa actually which is hilarious like the face looked a lot like my grandpa but um but he 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 looked very much like uh like a I'm trying to think I don't really know like Hollywood actors from the forties but like but but you know what I mean like a black and white like mm-hmm. the slicked back hair you know like like he looked very much like 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 a like a tough like nineteen forties like Hollywood star right um or like a boxer or something from that era you know what I mean like he had that he had he very much had that like like he looked he was like heavy and like he looked like he looked like just solid like he looks like like a very like you know like strong like like bo- like I, I think he looked more like a boxer than anything the original one but but like as it changes like in the 80s like with um uh john Byrne, sorry mental, <laughs> mental part there with john Byrne, like he, he looks like arnold schwarzenegger right like he's like just jacked and, like ripped out of his mind and stuff you know and then like in the like i feel like in the new 52 they made him like a little slimmer and like not as like buff like he was more like lean and like he didn't have the slicked back hair anymore it was just kind of like like messy and stuff like so like i feel like it like 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 and i i also think that's really important that he changes with time like like i i really like in the 90s when he had the long hair because like it reflected what was cool in the 90s right and like like i know there's some artists who who try to make superman look like throwbacky almost the 1940s and i've always thought that was kind of weird because like like when Superman was created, he wasn't 
they didn't draw him looking like someone from like the Revolutionary War or something. You know what I mean? Like they didn't they didn't take like they didn't try to make him look like Robin Hood or something. Like like something that would have been like the idea of like what a hero was or like a King Arthur or something like that. I feel like that'd be the closest to like the era of the forties of like what a superhero would be. And like his moniker's always been the man of tomorrow. So I always find it weird. Like, and I feel like in the last like 15 years, there's artists who try to draw him as though it's like the forties or the fifties. And like, I've just always found that so strange. Cause it's like, it, like, because like, I feel like you can still be like a noble, good person without invoking the fifties. You know what I mean? Like, and like, I feel like it's sometimes the writers and artists gets conflated that like, Oh, it was a simpler time. It was a better time. It's like, it really wasn't. There was always like, like turmoil like in the world you know what i mean like our ideas of it are that it was squeaky clean because of like shows like leave it to beaver and stuff but that wasn't real life you know what i mean so like the idea that to be like this like pure noble character but like to try to make him almost like a throwback like, i've never jived with that like i that's why i always like when they when they push him forward and change what he looks like and and like make him more current and modern you know um so yeah, and like the new the new thing with Superman now, where he's like a dad and stuff. Like I think that's still really cool. Like because you can still make him current and modern and still be a dad. Like I don't think that necessarily ages him. I think it's like as long as you don't write him like stodgy, right? As long as you make him like a cool dad, like it still works, you know. So like the Superman and Lois show, I think is great. Like like I, I haven't, I'm not super, I'm not all caught up with it yet. Like you said before, like I think I'm only on episode. I think I watched it to episode six and then Laura started to want to watch it with me. So we started over from the beginning. So we're, I think me and her finished the first three. So, um, but yeah, he, he's great in that. Like, I feel like he's so relatable and like fun and cool, but also like echoes a little bit of like the Christopher Reeve version of Clark Kent, but like not to that like level, you know, like I think he's like a good blend of all of it. You know, it's, it's cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with, with so much of what you said and uh, kind of working backwards. Yeah, I'm totally with you on Superman and Lois and and the idea of, of Clark as a dad, and but still as a fun dad. And, you know, mm-hmm. as a as a young father myself, and, and I like to think I'm also a cool dad. It's like, I don't, it's funny. I mean, and I don't know, maybe other people in my you, life. You are a cool dad. You're a cool dad. Thanks. You're a cool dad. <laughs> but it's like, I don't feel like fatherhood has aged me. I still feel like, it's funny, mm-hmm. I think about this sometimes. Like, I still don't not that I don't feel like an adult, but I mean, like, I think in my head, I still feel like I'm 19 or 20. You know? Oh, dude. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I'm 34. So, yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah, I agree. Too. And that's the same thing too. I mean, not to take us too far afield, but like I never, you know, jumping over to, to Marvel with the Spider-Man marriage or honestly, even at DC with Superman and Lois, I never got this idea of like, oh, once they're married, they just seem so old. It's like, well, if you write them that way, then they'll feel that way. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can still be young and vibrant, you know, in a marriage or mm-hmm. in a committed relationship or as a parent. So now I'm totally with you. And then, you know, to the larger point. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's like, you know, yes, there's a lot to be said for the the continuity and the tradition of the character, but it's like at the end of the day, I think the reason the character has endured for over 80 years and will continue to endure is that ability to reflect the times. The time, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. like it, it's so much of. I feel like what culture associates with Superman is the Richard Donner movie, right? But like that movie. I feel like was kind of like really different from like what was going on in the comics at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was like wildly different, but like, it, but it was very like of the time it felt very modern. Like if you saw that in the seventies, like 
that like they weren't trying to make him look like he was from the 50s you know what i mean like that was like a 79 movie or whatever year 78 79 whatever year it came out that was very much of that era and like and it still maintained the like the americana and the wholesomeness and like all the icon iconography like but they made it very like contemporary to that time period and like I'm not sure when that kind of stopped because like I feel like I've been listening to your episodes from the 90s and I feel like in the 90s it was still very much like this felt like it was current to the 90s you know um so I'm I'm trying to think like I feel like probably in the 2000s like mid 2000s when that kind of start like the started like the throwback kind of stuff started becoming more and more present um but I, I wouldn't know for sure yeah I yeah I don't know I wouldn't know exactly where to pinpoint but you know I've we haven't done a full discussion of the Jeff Johns Superman run yet, and we will on the podcast. And we'll also talk about the Richard Donner Superman movie, the first one. That That's all coming next year. And I have a lot of thoughts that have been marinating, and we'll get into all of that. But, you know, like the Jeff Johns run, I mean, I, I, I kind of dump on it to whenever I bring it up. But it's because I just felt like it was looking backwards. I felt like it was him being a huge fan of the Christopher Reeve Richard Donner movie and trying to make that into comic book form. It's like right now as we're recording this, there's a miniseries going on that set in the in the world of the mm -hmm. Richard Donner movie. That's great. That should I mean that's wonderful that that exists. Yeah. You can you can step back into that world in the comic book and that's great. But I I don't love the idea of taking the the regular ongoing Superman story and morphing it into that just because you have this love and affinity for it. Um mm -hmm. So, and again, as far as the, the style aspect, yeah, I agree totally. I mean, I think in the beginning, in the in the 40s with Schuster and uh, Wayne Boring, you really did have that boxer look, the circus strongman look, where, mm -hmm. yeah, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't, um, he wasn't ripped, he wasn't lean, like he was kind of, he was stocky, right? Like he was just like a solid, yeah. solid guy. Yeah, um, he looked like my grandpa, dude, like straight up. Like my grandpa was in, in the army in World War II and stuff, and like, like he just, and then he was a coal miner when he, after World War II. So he, my grandpa was like a tough dude. Like, I mean like really like strong, tough dude. And like uh, up until he was like, up until his deathbed, he was like, he, he had muscle dude. He was like a strong, and like it just, I, whenever I see a drawing of Superman from the the forties, like I'm just, it looks ex like his face, everything, the hair, everything looks exactly like him. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that that's, yeah, that's awesome. Well, and you see that too, I think even in the, you know, the George Reeves Superman show, especially in the the, mm -hmm. the first couple of seasons, uh, you know, he put on weight as the series went on and he got older, but you know, those first couple of seasons, you know, I think kind of fit into that mold. And then, yeah, I mean, as we move forward into, you know, Kurt Swan and then the Christopher Reeve movie, you definitely get a, a sleeker Superman, but mm -hmm. with him more muscular. And then, like you said, certainly by the time we're in the eighties, we do have like the really the Schwarzenegger, you know, it's like, or Stallone, you know, <laughs> where do you kind of land on that? Cause I think, I don't, I think it's Alex Ross who's talked about this where he doesn't, subscribe to the notion that superman would be particularly muscular right and and wouldn't need he, he draws him super muscular though doesn't but he it's alex a, Ro when i think alex ross i think like big chest like big arms well like. it's this it's the size but it's like not I, I maybe i guess not the level of definition that you know you, you, you oh. you've seen elsewhere i mean like i i i would just assume that superman's like metabolism is that he's just naturally like ripped like because there's people like that in real life i mean they're not they're not going to be as huge but they're going to be like there's people who like are just naturally like really lean you know i would just assume that's what superman would be yeah like i mean like i, I mean like the muscle size again i think it's like his metabolism so good from the from the the sun that like whatever he eats just goes into muscle so that's how he's got like the like the huge like delts and stuff you know <laughs> right 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 
so a few questions for you. So, and I know we've talked about this before, but the red trunks, yay or nay? Uh, I, I don't really, I mean, I, I don't dislike, I, I mean, they don't offend me, you know what I mean? But like, I, I just personally objectively think they don't really like look cool. Like, and, and please internet, don't, don't hate me. Like I still love Superman. I love Christopher Reeve. I love, I love every version of Superman, but like, I don't know. I mean, now that they're back, it's like, whatever. Like, I feel like they're going to be around forever because they're back. But like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think they're necessary. Just same with Batman. Like, I don't think they like add to the character, you know, but I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm with you. I don't, I don't, I guess I don't feel that strongly about them. Like when they take them away, I'm not up in arms about it. When they bring them back, I'm not dancing in the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if I could take them or leave yeah. them. I don't really feel that strongly about them. Um, as long as, as long as he has a belt, like, I feel like if you took away yeah. the underwear and the belt and it would just look like a, like a onesie, like, I feel like that would look a little weird. Like it needs like the break, like he needs like that break at the waist you know like yeah. i feel like a red belt with like a yellow center i think would be perfect gotcha like however like the buckle be yellow but the belt be red so, so some kind of version of that i don't know yeah that is that is cool that is cool uh so now when you're because you've had the opportunity to draw superman you did uh, a number mm-hmm. of issues on trinity and you did the superman um a man of tomorrow uh an issue mm-hmm. of that as well so when you're drawing superman i mean obviously when the character undergoes a major redesign, it's like Jim Lee is like redesigning the character right at the top. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, as you're, are there certain things where you're like, oh man, like I really wish I could just, I could just change this, but it's something that would require approval, you know, from like from the higher ups at DC. So, so at, so now I'm a lot more confident than when I was when I was drawing Trinity. When I was drawing Trinity, I was just starting at DC and like, I was trying very hard to work in the, the mold that they had like the Jim Lee like mold that like I feel like a lot of artists like whether consciously or not like work in that mold you know because Jim Lee is like the the, the most famous artist that there is you know so he's inspired an entire generation like myself included so but the, now I feel like I've changed I've been changing my style a lot and I'm trying really hard now I think it was when I started working on Silencer but then really on Aquaman was when I was like, I'm gonna try to make this like completely my own, cause like, like the when I was working on Aquaman, like he had the long hair and the beard, and Jim Lee had never drawn him like that, like to my knowledge, like at least on any kind of regular basis. So it was like, there's no like template in my head that DC thinks this needs to look like. So I'm gonna do like my thing with it, and like, and that was kind of like eye opening to me, where I'm like, I, I need to do this with every character I work on. So like. Like when I worked on Kyle Rayner or Hal Jordan or whoever it may be, like I'm trying to bring like my own kind of like unique voice to it. And like with Superman, like when I worked on the um, the Man of Tomorrow issue, like it was very much that. Like I was trying to come up with a way that like he looked like my style and not like I'm trying to approximate someone else's, you know. So like for me personally, it was like the hair more than anything. Like like a lot of people draw like the like the wave in it and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm just gonna make like a spike, like the the curl parts like a spike and make it look like like a little more like angular and spikier and less like uh like i guess real like i'm I'm trying to get away from like reality in my art and go more with like kind of just like almost like an abstracted look of like what reality is if that makes sense i don't know that might sound really like artsy fartsy but um yeah. No, I think go. it's no, I think it's cool to get that insight into the into the process. So no, I love to hear that. I also have a, a listener question. So patrons have the opportunity to submit a question in advance. And so Eric asked Sweet. specifically for you, he said for V Ken, <clears throat> is there a superhero with a more iconic costume than Superman? 
Spider-Man is the only hero that comes to mind to me, given how many different versions of costumes that Batman has had. Maybe Flash. Is there a superhero with a more iconic costume than Superman? Okay, I love Flash, but his costume is not nearly as iconic as Superman. <laughs> like I, I love, I love Flash, but um, yeah, hmm, that's a tough one. I mean, if we're specifically talking, are we talking like American superhero comics? If we're specifically talking that, I think Superman's the most iconic. Like, like flat. I mean, like not even close. Like, because like you said, Batman's had so many different looks. Um, but but to to that effect, though, the Batman costume has kind of always kind of stayed similar, though, like how we were talking about mm-hmm. Superman, like he's never like you've never looked at Batman and been like, like even like the Arkham Knight to like um, uh, like the 1950s Batman, like the, the Adam West, like no one's going to look at either of them and be like, who is this? You know what I mean? Like it's it's clear, like he's got the ears, he's got the gloves, he's got the cowl. Like, so I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I always tell people that I think the the most he kind of, Eric hit it on the head is that the most iconic superheroes are Superman, Batman, Spider Man. Like, you know, yeah. um, I'm trying to think, like we, Captain America, no, because he's like in the movies doesn't even wear the costume, the iconic one. Um, Iron Man, no. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any? Do you have any that you think? Maybe? No, I, I I agree with you. I mean, I definitely think Superman, but but I do I do agree uh, with your point about Batman, and I, I think they do fall into the same category there. Where even though there have been variations, the same again, it's like that's just that elemental aspect. Those certain basic components, mm-hmm. even you know, yeah. they get tweaked. The colors might change a little bit. Trunks might come and go, but it's like the same components and i guess that's the that's the beauty of those costumes and maybe that helps account for why you know in part why these characters have endured because it's like they're they're they are adaptable to an extent while still retaining that recognizability like it's really it's really a a balance to strike so yeah yeah i mean because because marvel i'm trying to think of marvel like with the exception of spider-man i feel like all the marvel characters costumes have changed so much over the decades right like I mean, I, I was gonna say maybe the yellow Wolverine costume. I feel like that's pretty iconic, but like not not anywhere close to Superman's. Like, yeah. um, no, I'm I'm with you. I don't know. And I mean, if you go out of American stuff, I would say like Goku is pretty iconic, but like again, not on the same level as Superman. Like, I think Superman's like yeah, he's the most iconic one for sure. And then I guess maybe uh, two more questions for you. Th- these, you know. I mean, these are probably less so evolution of the of the style and more just style questions generally. But you know, when we talk about the live action versions of Superman. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your favorite take on the costume on screen? Oh, on the costume, not not actor costume. Costume, talking yeah, just costume. Oh, it's got to be the Man of Steel costume from. Henry Cavill's first costume because they changed it in Batman vs Superman. I like the the first one, the Man of Steel one. I think that'd be my favorite. Yeah, although the black one was pretty sweet too. It's Snyder cut. That one was good. But but if we're talking like iconic versions, I think that would be it. Probably. I mean, the Christopher Reeve costume, dude. Like in real life, looks like crappy. Have you ever seen it? Like the um, I remember I was in. Oh my god, I was visiting los angeles when i was like in fifth grade or whatever with my parents and like we went to like on one of those studio tours and like they had the cape hanging there and the cape the, the yellow s on the back of the cape is like it looks like it's like ironed on like it's like so like janky looking like in real life but like it just on camera because they didn't have high def back then like it pops really well 
But like, yeah, it's like, and no one at Comic Con when they had all the costumes lined up, the Christopher Reeve like S is like like lopsided and so like it, it, that that costume is not it's it's a it's a testament to Christopher Reeve that he looked that good in that costume, you know? Like, no, yeah, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, so you go with the Henry yeah. Cavill version, nice. Yeah, what about you? Oh, I would have to go with the CGI suit that Tom Welling wore in the series finale. <laughs> Boy, that was great. Really loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of that, I think the worst is probably the Superman Returns one because the S was so small. You yeah. know, it was like he had, the S was like so small and just had like tons of like blue on his stuff. It just it was so like weird. and the red was like a maroon almost. Like it was it was a very weird costume. Like, I think that was probably my least favorite one. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, look, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cite it as number one, but as you and the audience know, I mean, I was very taken with the George Reeves series. And so I do love mm. that. Uh, I do love that original costume from, from that show. Um, I, I like how that costume like looks like sweatpants and sweat, like sweatshirt. Like it's not tights. It looks like just a tight fitting, like sweatsuit, which I think that, that's like a cool take. I think, you know, yeah. that you see like the ribbing, the ribbing on his wrists and stuff of like a sweatshirt. Like, that's a cool take. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that really, uh, that definitely made an impression. I mean, between, you know, again, there's something very, you know, quintessential and iconic about the Christopher Reeve costume. But again, I, I really do love the, the Henry Cavill version as well. And I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I like the man of steel one better than the Batman V Superman. And then as far yeah. as the, the black suit, you know, you mentioned for Zack Snyder's justice league, I guess that's one of the last questions I have for you on the style, you know, as far as the alternate versions of the costume, I guess I know the, is the black suit, your, 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 favorite of the alternate takes the black suit's up there it's the, probably a tie between that and the one he wears in godfall we talked about that yeah when he's on the motorcycle that's a cool costume because it's black and silver and red it's got like it's kind of like a mix between the black costume and the regular costume and it's got like this cool like thing going over his shoulders like i really like that one too nice i uh yeah. i w- i mean i i enjoyed when we talked about godfall i don't know that i would put that costume too high on my list though it was cool yeah, I don't know. I mean, definitely the black suit would be would be my favorite alternate. Beyond that, you know, like I don't think electric would would rank that highly for me. <laughs> nah, nah. I like the. Do you remember the hunter prey? Dude, one? oh my god, Where, you and I are on the same cool page because I swear the next words out of my mouth were <laughs> hunter yeah, prey. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool costume. That was a really cool costume. Yeah, that holds yeah. a special place because that was again at the beginning of my of my time reading comics, and and that always. Yeah. That one made an impression on me. So, uh, and I'll be revisiting that on the podcast relatively soon. So uh, I I do look forward to seeing that costume again. And then, you know, the last thing, and you and I were texting about this not too long ago, about the look of Clark Kent, right? Mm -hmm. Which, of course, you know, Clark has undergone, undergone his own evolution over the years. And I was saying to you, and we differed on this, but I was like, I, I love... You know, I was a big fan of the the Matt Bomer white collar series on on USA, mm-hmm. and in that show, he's you know, he oh. wears, you know, <laughs> he's got the skinny tie and like the sleek suits and the fedora, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like I would like to see that for for modern day Clark. And I know you were not uh, you were not on board with that. I, well, I I thought he'd look like like weird like in real life because like it would be like you walk into the office and people would be like what do you think you're a fashion model like with your like fedora and stuff like like to me like clark kent like a modern day clark kent would wear like a hoodie and like a baseball hat and like and like maybe sometimes a tie underneath but like i feel like like if he was truly trying to like blend in like 
Like I lived in New York City for 12 years. I know that most people, unless you work on Wall Street, are not wearing suits to work. You know what I mean? Most people are wearing like sneakers, maybe a button down shirt, usually a t-shirt with like a hoodie and like a baseball hat. Like I feel like if he's trying to like not stand out, and that's why I think Tyler Hecklin on um, Superman Lois is so good at it. Cause like he looks like Clark Kent, but he looks like a modern Clark Kent, right? And like the Matt Bomer thing, like you're right. Like visually, <laughs> aesthetically, that would look great, right? It would look super great, but it would have to exist in a world of like, somewhat heightened fantasy like a like a tim burton-esque world where like things aren't quite real because like nobody like working at the new york times dresses like that you know what i mean if they did people would be talking about people would be like whoa we're paying this guy too much he's wearing dolce gabbana hats every day like (laughs) (laughs) that's true well and you know it's i mean i think again this is probably a larger conversation but i think too you know we talk about the evolution of clark but even just the some of the settings that the stories take place and i mean we've we've seen across media right an evolution of the daily planet and i do think more modern takes have reflected i guess the kind of the current state of of newspapers it's not quite as you know maybe glamorous as as it might have been in, in the past and and i think you definitely do see and not limited to a newspaper but you do definitely see um you know less you know formality in the wardrobe and you definitely do see dressing down more and and that's why i did like you know, like in the Snyder movies when Clark was at the Daily Planet, I think there too, there was still a tie, but like he was mostly wearing flannel button down shirts. Yeah, like he the, had you like know. khaki jeans, khaki, like he looked very like, like not super fancy, you know what I mean? Like, and like to me, like Clark, like I don't ever really imagine Clark as being like a, like a fashion forward guy. Do you? Like I, I imagine him as very like, just kind of like very like blue collar, like, you know, like, like I don't really see him shopping at like Bloomingdale's or anything like that, you know, like he just seems like, like very like down to earth, like, you know, yeah, well, Amazon, like getting anything off Amazon, you know? Well, that's the thing, right? He comes from the Midwest. Not that, not that if you come yeah. from the Midwest, you can't be fashion forward, but it's like, you know, I think given his upbringing, given his other priorities, it's like, yeah, he probably would yeah. go for something, you know, you know, kind of, uh, you know, but just, you know, to get the job done. Right. Yeah. Whereas like Bruce Wayne, I could see wearing the fedora like, you know, yeah. like, and it would making sense, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, you know, again, we're going to do, I think at some point in the life cycle of this podcast, we'll do, you know, uh, more of a, of a deep dive into the visual evolution and style. But this was fun to have this chat and I hope people enjoyed it. And when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to get into steel and man, Ken and I have a lot to say about this. So uh, yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> stay tuned and we'll be right back. Shadadigans is a weekly podcast by dads sharing their fairly new dad experiences and also just talking about whatever listen, relate, and laugh. I was a guest on episode 90, and it was a blast. One of the hosts is a multiple guest of this show, Justin DeVoe. To follow Justin's fitness and cosplay journey, follow him on Instagram at Lobo. And if you're interested in starting or continuing your own fitness journey, check out Iron and Honor on Instagram. All right, we're back. So Before, before we yeah. do- Wait, before, before we dive into steel, just the, from that commercial, I want to shout out uh, Justin. Um, I met him at New York Comic Con this year, and he got a Lobo commission from me. And he was like in the Lobo suit, looks friggin' dope in real life. Like I, I follow him on Instagram, and the pictures obviously look great, but in real life, like it's it's like it's crazy, dude. He looks like he like stepped right out of the page. Like big shout out to Justin. Um, yeah, man. If you if you guys aren't following him on Instagram, definitely check him out. He's got a great costume for Lobo and he's got a very cool like fitness like journey that he posts updates from and stuff and dude's jacked in real life like super jacked like i was shocked like like how, how jacked he looks in real life so yeah yeah big shout out to justin right on i, I echo all of that he, justin's such a great guy and 
you know, it's, it's funny because he listens to the show and he commented recently that, you know, sometimes I guess he gets caught up in it and he'll talk to, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll talk to us on the show, you know, even though obviously we're not all talking together. And I said to him, I'm like, I should mess with you in an upcoming episode and just like randomly address you at some point in the recording <laughs> <laughs> just to throw him off. So uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll do that at some point. But uh, but yeah, big shout out to Justin. And I do. I, I agree. Everyone should follow him at Real Life Lobo. It's really remarkable the the fitness and cosplay journey that he's been on. And yeah, he's jacked. He's covered in tattoos. And he is the sweetest guy you'll meet and just so warm and enthusiastic about all of this. And of course, he's been on the show. People have gotten a chance to hear that uh, as well. And uh, actually, Justin is going to be here. Here, I'll plug an upcoming episode. Justin will be here in two weeks. We're going to be talking about the Injustice animated movie. Very cool. So I'm excited for that because I now I've not played the game or read the comics, but Justin has. And um, I, of course, I will watch the animated movie. So I think we'll have a really, uh, I've been very curious about Injustice. I've heard a lot from a lot of people about it. And I think the animated movie is a perfect way for me to kind of see what, see what the fuss is all about. Yeah. And, uh, and especially to talk to him where he's now, he'll have experienced, you know, all versions of the story across media. I think we'll have a really great chat. So that's coming up. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Justin, tell us what you think about Steel real quick. No. Yeah. Justin, <laughs> did, you ever, did, Justin <laughs> did you ever watch the 1997 Steel movie? <laughs> he's yelling in his car right now. He's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> so actually, you know what, before we even talk, I got, let me play a little something. Cause I think we need as much as you and I know you and I, we've been ready to go. We've been ready to talk about steel, but I don't think it would hurt us. And it certainly wouldn't hurt the audience. Just a little something to just put us in, in the right frame of mind, get us pumped up. So uh, I'm going to play something now, uh, just for a few seconds. Cause I think, I think this will get the job done. So good, so good. I mean, how good is that theme? It's a good theme. That's a really good. Theme. I didn't remember the theme, and then like watching it, I was like, the opening crawl. I was like, this is a good theme song. <laughs> All right, so Steel. We are of course talking about Doctor John Henry Irons, right? Who is introduced in the Reign of the Superman storyline in 1993. He becomes the armored character Steel following uh, Superman's death at the hands of Doomsday. John Henry had been, um, he had been saved by Superman uh, sometime prior. And he said, I owe you my life. And Superman said, well, make account for something. And on top of that, John Henry was also uh, dealing with the guilt of the weapons that he designed being used for nefarious purposes by the military industrial complex. So he had this, this dual purpose of trying to honor the promise he made to Superman while also uh, atoning for, you know, what he, you know, what he considered, I guess, to be his, his misdeeds in designing the, in these weapons. And so of course he plays a prominent role in reign of the Superman and has continued to be a supporting character in, in the comics. He had his own series uh, for a few years in the 90s, it lasted 52 issues, uh, primarily written by Louise Simonson and then Christopher Priest. And you and I read issue number one, and we'll talk about that. 
And again, most recently, he's been featured on the Superman and Lois TV show. He popped up in Superman, the animated series, some, some appearances in the Justice League cartoon. Uh, but he also had <laughs> his own feature-length movie from Warner Brothers uh, in 1997, written and directed by uh, Kenneth Johnson and starring noted Superman fan and uh, now retired uh, basketball player Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq, baby. Shaq. Oh, yeah. So, man, I have there's so much that we have to unpack here, but let me just start, I guess, with the biggest, perhaps most important question for you first, because for our audience's sake, like the texts that Ken and I have been exchanging, they've been along the lines of like, I can't wait to discuss. I have so much to say, yeah. but we've not, we haven't compared notes yet, but I can guess where you're going. So what was your, what was your impression of your, your rewatch? Oh my God. So like overall, okay. So I'm going to go macro overall. So I first saw this movie when I was in fourth grade, um, rented it from blockbuster and like, I absolutely love it. Now, I'd already been a fan of the character because I had some of the comics and I had the action figure from the, the the Man of Steel where, like, he had the hammer and he, like, swung it and he had the cape and everything. And, like, so I was already a fan of the character and, like, my favorite basketball player was playing, at the time, my favorite character and I was just psyched to see this movie. And, like, upon rewatch, dude, for me, it held up. Like, it, it, in a way, it not 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 by modern standards, but, like, we can get into this later, but like I totally watching it now, I totally understood why I love this movie so much and why I love this character so much. And I think that even though there's a lot of corny stuff in it and like objectively, it's not like a great movie, like objectively, I think there's still really good stuff in there. Really good things about like about the character steel, really good things for like, as like a kid's superhero movie, which is kind of what these things are supposed to be. Right. Like now they've gotten so dark and serious that like, it's kind of like lost that like there's so much like like elements in this movie that like like just like his his lair with like the mechanics of the doors opening and stuff like it was just so cool as a kid and like watching it again like laura was watching it with me and she's like i totally get why you like this when you were a kid and i was like yeah it's and not only that dude like Shaq looks fucking cool in this movie. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear, but like he looks good in the suit. He looks cool like maybe some of the reveals and stuff weren't great and maybe some of the action wasn't up to par but like he looked dope. And like the only thing he was missing for me was the cape, but like he still looked dope. And like, I don't know. What, what did you think? I, I got to tell you, man. And we were talking about this off mic, but it's been a long week, like very, just very long days. <laughs> and I was watching this late last night and I, whether I was delirious or what, but man, I had fun with this movie. I had so much fun watching it. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Would I say like, oh, objectively this, you know, stands you know shoulder to shoulder with the current crop of of superhero movies that have achieved absolutely a not. very high level of you know production quality and storytelling no but i do think there's a lot of value in this movie and i really think that because you know look if you mention the steel movie to anyone who knows about it very likely they don't have a favorable impression of it i think most have written it off it it was a box office bomb when it came out in 97 mm. it was not received well critically again i think even among fans generally speaking you know you you probably wouldn't find a lot of like die hard steel movie fans but honestly like i really do think there's a lot worthwhile about it. i mean like if anyone is listening to this or watching this and you've not watched it or you haven't watched it in a while you know what? Cue it up. Um, unfortunately, it's no longer on HBO Max, which we we discovered 
Um, but I rented we it on Amazon. We got flat squirreled. I know my whole thing about, you know, hesitation kills. Don't be a flat squirrel. Waited too long and it left HBO Max. But uh, I rented it on Amazon for three bucks. It's worth three I bucks. Bought it. And you I bought, bought it. it. I bought it. Yeah, I did. I, it was between the two of them. And Laura was like, she's like, it's three more dollars. You think you're going to watch this again? I go, I, I definitely will watch this again. She's like, just buy it. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm like, I'm no regrets. Like, absolutely no regrets. Like, this is a movie I'm going to watch with my kids. Like, I think this is like such a, like for kids specifically, like, I think this like, like, yes, it's, it's, it's definitely not up to the standards we were talking about now, but I think there's a lot of good messages in it for kids. Right. And like, like just the fact that like, like there's a point in the movie where like steals, like we, we will get into it more, but like, he's like at head at head at odds with the cops. Right. Because he's trying to stop this gang violence. And like, they think he's part of one of the gangs and the cops are chasing him and he, he there's a point where he gets brought in for like questioning and like he's in like the police lineup and stuff and like the people that he saved were asked to come in and identify him and they're like and like it's it's obvious Shaq is steel right <laughs> he's like seven six you know what I mean like but like but they're like no we, we don't see him here and then the cop the cop that he saved the same thing and it's like just the, just those like notions of like you do the right thing like like doing the right thing is cool. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like steel to me, like even more so than Superman in some levels, why I like him so much is that like, I just think he's a really good dude. You know what I mean? Like he's like, he doesn't come from that, that um, like, he doesn't have the inner conflict that Superman has about like being the last of his kind and like, kind of like feeling alone and out of place in the world. Like steel is just like, a good salt of the earth person like was raised with the right values like and and he sees that like something that he sees as his responsibility like he designed these weapons and they got out they, they were stolen from the military in some way like in the comics it was through inner gang i think in the movie it's a little different but like but the weapons he designed are now on the streets in the hands of gangs tearing up his neighborhood and it's and he feels it's his responsibility to protect his family and to protect his neighborhood and like and he's just like a good solid person with a good moral compass and like he's i don't know man like i just think like like the simplicity of that and how likable he is is like it, it's so refreshing to me like because he's not a character born out of tragedy right like he's not someone who whose parents were killed in front of him like so many superheroes are you know he's just like someone who's like i want to do the right thing and like i'm gonna do the right thing and 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 more to that he becomes Superman. You know what I mean? Like, like not only he's like a regular human being with no superpowers who essentially becomes Superman. And like, there's such a powerful message in that. And like, I think he's a very undervalued character for sure. Uh, so a couple of things. One, that scene at the police station with the lineup was probably my favorite scene in the movie. I, I found, I thought that was, it was a very poignant scene. And you know, there's a lot about the movie that's, that's fun. There's a lot that's goofy, but like that was an instance mm -hmm. where I was like, exactly to your point, it's like, yeah, it really shows the effect that his goodness and his good actions are having and, and the fact that the people he helped now are helping mm -hmm. him, uh, I, I thought was great. I really liked that as well. It's funny though, you mentioned about his motivations because in addition to reading issue one, I did also read the zero hour, uh, zero issue of the steel series. And it, it does, it recounts his origin and his parents were killed. He did come home and find his parents <laughs> killed. Oh, okay. I, that, See, I, I'm not laughing because it's funny that his parents were killed, but I'm just, <laughs> but you know what you were saying Forget about so, everything I just said. Well, no, but but I think I think your point still stands because that's 
never really painted as like his driving force, or at least it doesn't seem to be. Yeah. I mean, it's like this idea of family, yes, but it's not necessarily. I have to avenge, you know, yeah. my fallen yeah, no, parents. It, it, yeah, it's about protecting his like grandma and his cousins and stuff. And like, you know, it's not it's not about like getting revenge for his dude. I didn't even know he had parents. Like I. Like I just that's totally new to me because I never read the zero hour stuff. So, so yeah, that that's uh, sorry I messed that up. No, everybody. it's quite no, no, no. It's a, again, had I not read that issue, I would have been right there with you. So, but I, but again, I think that also speaks to the fact that it's not like a huge piece of his character, at least the way you know he's typically presented. Right, the fact that we mm-hmm. that wasn't even top of mind. Uh, yeah. So, so I well, think that's fine. What else I found really interesting about the movie, and this is why I wanted you to read issue one, is that I think the movie's actually really faithful to the comic book in a weird way. Like Superman's not involved, but like, like it's pretty much Steel story though about about being a weapons designer, about going back home to his old neighborhood, about protecting his his grandmother and his cousin, and like and his cousin getting mixed up with the gangs. Like it's it's pretty like spot on to that early like steel like even like visually there's like panel shots like when he like when the guys break into his house and he uses the the pan the frying pan as a hammer like or like when he's pulling the mask out of the the, out of the when he's like welding his suit he's pulls the mask out there's a shot very similar to steel number one where he's like pulling the mask out of the fire like so i was actually really shocked about that rewatching it again that i was like this is very faithful to like the the comic book which surprises me for the time period you know like I don't know. I, just, I found that very interesting that like it, it must have been a passion project for the director because I noticed it was written, directed by the same guy. And it must have been someone who was like, I freaking love steel and I want to make this movie, you know? Yeah. Well, so I, I had the exact same thought uh, and I, I, I'm glad that you suggested reading the first issue of the comic as well, because that was the same thing that I was struck by. I was like, wow, this really tracks with what we what we yeah. see in the movie. And again, the comic came first. So yeah, so the movie was definitely more faithful than I think it gets credit for. I feel like the fact that it was, that Steel story was, you know, told in a vacuum completely separate from any mention of Superman. I think that's why fans are probably like, oh, like it, you know, wasn't really faithful to the comics. But in terms of John Henry's story, it was very faithful. It's just that, yes, it's like dead on. They strip away all the Superman stuff. Now, uh, so, you know, Kenneth Johnson was the writer and director. Yeah, I don't know to what extent, you know, he was a fan of the comic or the character. I do know I was, I, I know, as if I read it on Wikipedia, but <laughs> but uh, Quincy Jones was one of the producers and he and I guess his producing partner, like they, I think they had the the fandom for the character and they were kind of like the driving force behind it. And, you know, this was that weird limbo period for Superman on the big screen, right? Because the Christopher Reeve movie series was done and we hadn't yet Mm -hmm. arrived at the Brian Singer attempt at restarting it. And, you know, this was that whole period, you know, when we we almost had the the Tim Burton, Nicolas Cage movie. And so the Superman movie, I think was just stuck in this development hell. And I, according to Wikipedia, (laughs) I think the original plan was for this because right. The plan was to do the death of Superman, Right, I think that was the that was the like the Superman Lives movie that didn't ultimately get made. That the, was the, the, the Tim Burton one, I believe. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so the idea was to do the death, and I and again, according to Wikipedia, Steel would have been a spinoff of that, and so it would have tracked with this idea that Superman dies and then Steel rises to t- to take his place. And obviously, that didn't happen, and so they just made it completely standalone. So you know, in that sense, it's like yeah, you do remove a key piece of 
of the character's backstory. Although we do still get the nod to Superman because Shaq has his, yeah. his Superman Shaq tattoo. Has a tattoo. Yeah. In my head, this movie takes place in the same universe as Christopher Reeve's Superman. Like in my head canon and, and, and Tim Burton's Batman. So like in this universe, Michael Keaton and Christopher Reeve exist. That That's that's my uh, my 90s verse of uh, movies that still exists. In. Well, so he, you know what though? And I mean, look, not not to overthink this, but because I, I, the thought did cross my mind, like was they they really do focus on that Superman tattoo. That's the Shaq's yeah. real tattoo, but they focus on it in the movie uh, in a couple of places. And when Uncle Joe at one point says to him, like you know, you're not Superman now. Yeah, I guess you can read that a couple of ways. Like in this in the world of this movie, does Superman exist? And John Henry t- idolizes I him and he's got a tattoo. Or is it like our world and Superman's a fictional character? You know, you can read it either I, way. I, I take it I take it that Superman exists. Because even the cops mentioned Batman too about the Batcave, I think. Yeah. So like like I, I'm gonna assume in this world Batman and Superman exist because they never show comic books. It's never like you never see like Shaq reading a Superman comic, which I feel like could have been like something that they did, like a very easy thing. You know what I mean? Like when he's on the bus or something coming mm-hmm. home, he could have been reading a Superman comic and they didn't do that. So in my head canon, Superman exists. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a valid way of looking at this. And then you still sort of have this idea that Superman inspired him. Now, not to nitpick, but I was thinking about this. I'm like, well, even if that death and return of Superman movie didn't happen, that steel would have been a spinoff of, right? So that didn't happen. I don't know. They still could have, they could have still worked in the death of Superman into this. Like you could have shown Superman's tattered cape on the news and John Henry, yeah. you know, like they, they, they could have, you know, kind of worked it in in its own way. I don't know if maybe that would have felt like they were just kind of forcing it. I, I don't know, but I still think there's a way like they could have made it work at least tangentially. Yeah, they could have. I mean, I, I feel like they, by by removing the Superman part of it, I feel like it doesn't radically change the character, though. Like, that that's the thing is that because in the comics, he becomes Steel because Superman's gone. And then he, like, gives up being Steel and goes home. And then when he goes home, it's the gang violence that makes him, like, reemerge, right? So, like, by taking out that first chunk, it's just, like, just make, like, basically all you remove is the S shield and the cape, right? Which I still think he could have had the cape. It's not, like, a huge thing, but, like... um you're basically just taking off the the S from the suit, you know? So it's like, I think it's still, I think it still works even without Superman. Like it's not hundred percent accurate, but like his story, like we were talking about John Henry Iron's story is actually very, very spot on to what they were doing. So. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I also think too, like the way that John Henry is presented in the comics that he does have this, you know, sort of dual motivation, right? He had been saved by Superman and then he wants to step up when Superman's gone. But there is also this issue that the weapons he designed are on the street. So it's like if you take mm-hmm. away one, well, he still has a reason to do this on top of yeah. just that inherent goodness and desire to protect like we talked about. So I, again, I think that speaks to the richness of the character. Like there's enough there that even if you take away a piece, and I mean the Superman is, aspect is not a small piece, but even if you take that away, it does still mm-hmm. work, which I think is cool. Now, so I wanted to ask you about the comic series. How, how, how much, if at all, have you read of that? Of that 90s I've read like series. random issues, man. Like number eight, I think was my first one I ever had. And then I had number one and then I had a couple like random ones in there. But like that, that was a time when like issues were actually like one and done adventures with like subplots going through them. So like that, that's pretty much like my extent of it was that. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, 
I I, re, I owned issues one and two. I very specifically remember having those first couple of issues of the Steel series uh, that Louise Simonson wrote with, with John Bogdanov, who, of course, the two of them had created the character in, in Superman, the Man of Steel, and Chris Batista did the art on the Steel series, and then eventually Simonson would just take over the writing herself. Uh, but yeah, I really only read those those first couple of issues. I, I For whatever reason, I guess as a kid at that time, it didn't grab... But you know, it's funny, Superboy as well. I remember having the first couple of issues of the Superboy series that came out after Reign of the Superman, mm-hmm. and I didn't continue with that either. Uh, so I couldn't really tell you why, I don't remember, but that's really it. And th- I know I dump on the DC app a lot, but all 52 issues of the Steel series are on the app. Uh, so that's something that I think I'll probably come back to at another point on this podcast. Um, Oh yeah, I'm actually thinking about like because they're all in comicsology too. So like after the first, I'm like, I kind of want to keep going with this because like this is like because it was dude, it was so nostalgic for me rereading that first issue because that issue specifically, like my copy of it that's at my parents' house is like tattered because I read it so much, dude. Like it was like it's like it's interesting to see it now because so much of it's like burned into my head from when I was a kid. Then I was seeing it now like with fresh eyes, it's like oh that didn't look, it's not quite how I remembered it. Or it looks kind of different, you know. So. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. I mean, so now, uh, I guess going back to the movie, so I know you, again, you liked it as a kid. I So it came out in 97. I was 10. I'm almost positive I saw it in theaters. Okay. And, I didn't see it in theaters. I mean, I'm almost positive. And that would track because, again, even though it you know, didn't have Superman in the movie, I mean, I certainly knew the character from the Superman comic, so that would have piqued my interest. And... I know I like never talk about sports on the show because I don't follow sports now. But when I was in elementary school, oh, I was really into basketball. Shaq, and Dude, yeah. Shaq, yeah, he was the best man. And speaking of Shaq, like he's perfect for this. Like perfect. <laughs> we, 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 I want you to finish your thought. We'll come back to that. But uh, no, I was just gonna say that. Uh, you know, I don't. I, rem- I again, I have this memory. I'm pretty sure that I saw it in theaters. I don't. I couldn't really tell you. Like, oh, did I come away from it? in love with the movie or disappointed by the movie. I don't know. Maybe it just didn't make that strong of an impression. I don't know. But I guess certainly as time has passed, whenever I have thought of it, it has always been in that more dismissive way that I think you do hear from a lot of fans. And, you know, I don't know to what extent that's because that's what I actually remember of it, or it's been colored now by the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, when the, when, and I don't think the movie is even referenced all that much. And when it is, it's usually, you know, as a, as a punchline. Yeah, so, it's cool that the time Shaq tried to act. Like, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I went into this rewatch, again, really not expecting much. And I was really looking at it more as this, you know, curiosity, this, you know, relic of 97. And it's like, I'll take a look at it. And like I said, I really ended up enjoying it. And I want to come back to what you were just saying, because so the movie typically, right, I think gets criticized for its... The, the corniness, the cheesiness, the the datedness. I mean, it feels very 90s, you know, when, when you're Oh, and I love it. it. I loved every minute of that. Loved it. But that's the thing. Watching <laughs> it now, it's it really just plays more like a fun throwback, you know? Yeah, but, exactly. But, you know, I think the datedness, the cheesiness, the um, and the acting. I mean, you know, Shaq's performance is is not something that I think people usually hold up. However... I want you to finish your thought because I, I have I have a specific feeling about this as well. So why do you think Shaq was perfect? Sh- okay, like Shaq is not. I, I don't think I, I don't. If Shaq heard us talking about this, I don't think he'd get mad at me saying this. Like I don't think he's a very good actor, right? Like great basketball player, dude. He's my favorite basketball player of all time. Like I fucking love you, Shaq. If you're listening to this, like, but 
but I think he's very much in the realm of like, there's certain actors who like don't have a lot of range, but they're really good at what they do. Right. Like Keanu Reeves is a good example. I mean, Keanu Reeves is a better actor, but like he doesn't have like super wide range, but like when he's doing his like action movies as Keanu Reeves, like you just buy it. Right. And, it, and he's awesome at it. And Shaq is just so damn likable. Like he's like such a good dude. And like, he's very well known for being this very affable, very friendly, very polite person. And like, you just buy it as, as, as him as John Henry is like, I totally buy that This guy is like, the best human being on the planet. Like, I just, I just like, he's just so nice. And so like, he just exudes like niceness and like goodness, you know? And like, and that combined with the fact that he looks like a superhero, like he's like huge, he's, like this massive person. Like it just, it, it just worked for me, man. Like, I don't know, like if you made this movie today, like I was, th- we can get into that later, but like, I don't know quite like, like there's there's this it factor that Shaq had that he brought to it of just being like very very likable and like very affable and genuine you know and like I think that's super important for John Henry Irons like like if we we talk about other actors like modern actors like taking on the role like I think that is something that's really really important you know that like just that that goodness that like comes out of, comes out of Shaq in his performance for this. Yeah, you know, when watching this, I I did feel like people had been unfair to Shaq in this movie. You know, would he, was this an Oscar-worthy performance? No, but I I think that, I I mean, a couple of things. One, yeah, he does possess that charm and that larger-than-life quality. Like, he has a presence on the screen, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for sure. Absolutely. And I I think his presence, you know, matches kind of what you would want to see from this character, so I think it works on that level. You know, in terms of his actual acting chops, I my take on it was that when he was, I guess when he was playing a John Henry in, when he was playing John Henry in scenes that were probably relatively close to Shaq in real life, it worked better. So, you know, when he's yeah. joking around with the cousin or, or you know, or the, you know, the back and forth with the grandmother, stuff like that, I felt like, yeah. okay, it, it just felt a lot more natural. You know, some of the scenes when he was talking to the, you know, his former commanding officer in the military, those were like, okay, this is, it's a little, it's a little clunky, but you know, again, overall, I I think it worked and you know, just that physicality. And I thought the the movie used it well. And it's one of those rare instances because you know, he doesn't get the armor until pretty deep into the movie. And so Mm -hmm. there are plenty of scenes where he's, he's fighting these gangs just by himself and you buy it. Like you, you buy totally it, you buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my god, dude. The scene at the beginning when he's like, when 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 Judd, Judd Nelson plays the bad guy in this movie, and yep. um, which is crazy that like Judd Nelson's in this movie, but um, he he like so the movie starts off where Judd Nelson, Shaq, and the Sparks. Her name Jen, Jenny Spark. Is it Jenny? Sp- the, I don't think the it's, girl. I don't know it's her, Jenny, but but Sparks, and they call her Sparky, and she's played by Annabeth yeah. Gish. Yeah, yeah, Annabeth Gish. Those three are basically like the ones who like develop these weapons for the military, and and uh, Judd Nelson's character is like a shithead who's like trying to like like profit. I don't know what he's doing. He, yeah profit off the weapons, and like he does this. Uh, during a, a demonstration, he dials the weapon way, way up past the, the, which is crazy. It's like, it's like, there's like a, there's like a, like a switch on the gun that like is like intensity, like an intensity bar. And like, 
they're only supposed to test at like level like six and he <laughs> dials up to 12 and like it blows all it like it sends a shockwave that like basically destroys the whole building and like and it comes collapsing down and cripples sparks and so that's where the movie kicks off so sparks is then in a wheelchair for the rest of the movie so that's like her like like, like that's a part of her arc is coming back to like help Shaq. But anyway, they're, they're at like a court martial scene where, where John Nelson's getting court martialed and Shaq's testifying to like the military court. Right. And after the court martial, he's in the hallway and Judd Nelson comes up to him and like tries to confront him. And like, Laura and I were like, this is insane. Like if Judd Nelson like comes up to his belly button, like it's insane. And, and he's like, and he's acting as though he's like going to beat him up. He's like, it's like you watch your back irons and like it's just like what are you doing like it's crazy it's it's this great visual gag and i mean the two of them are you know facing off against each other in the frame and yeah. it's like you just you see them and yeah i mean shack just tower ta- i mean shack is seven one and he just yeah, 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 sure he's not taller than that i thought he was like seven three uh, or is he is he seven one i, I saw that i think on yeah, imdb but yeah yeah he's seven plus regardless like yeah yeah, you know what? At that point, whether it's seven one, seven three, it's you know, it's like once you, once you yeah. clear seven feet. Uh, yeah. But that was hilarious. I thought you were actually going to say in the in the preceding scene when Sparks gets crushed by the rubble and John Henry is oh, and he's, lifting it. He's pulling it. I was like, ah, like pull. yeah, and you believe it. You believe that Shaq would be able to pull up like a wall, <laughs> like, you know? Like, yeah. And then you know, there's another scene later on when he. Uh, so again, and you, you did a great job setting up the basic premise of the movie, right? Like Shaq and Spark, they're these weapons designers for the military, like creating sound cannons and lasers and things like that. Judd Nelson, you know, again trying to profit, sabotages this, you know, weapons test. Sparks gets paralyzed, it's like dishonored dishonored little discharge from yeah. the military and then he's like oh i'm gonna steal this tech and sell it to like these scumbags in los angeles who are like the most 90s like villains ever like but they run an arcade <laughs> company yeah <laughs> and the guy's name is big willie and they he runs an arcade company and also manufactures and distributes weapons uh in los angeles and uh, but anyway so after sparks gets uh paralyzed you know uh, john henry uh quits the military and returns home to Los Angeles. That's a deviation from the comic, right? The comic he's from DC here at Los yeah. Angeles, which, which I think it's because this was a very low budget movie and they filmed it all in Los Angeles. Like on, like, I think that's why. And, and cause I would assume this is in the summer when between seasons, yes. but like, um, yeah, I, I don't think it had like flying shack out to DC for like an extended movie. I think that was like out of the cards, you know? So <laughs> yeah, no, and I think LA, I think LA worked, you know, perfectly fine, but you know, there's a scene later on. So, you know, again, John Henry returns home and he's back in the old neighborhood. And, you know, then he starts to see these weapons that he had been involved with, with designing. He sees them on the streets in the hands of these gangs, robbing banks, things like that. And so, you know, there's one scene where he goes to the uh, pool hall, I think to, to confront the gangs. And, you know, it's like, he goes in unarmed up against them, but it's like, you you buy it and you're like you're worried for the gang yeah. members you're like oh my god yeah, what's yeah. he gonna do and you know, he's picking people he up the one guy up <laughs> that's the and i was reading according to the imdb trivia there they couldn't find a stunt person as large as shack so shack did all his stunts himself really wow. according really? to imdb awesome. but so that's the thing i thought that you know the physicality that he brought to this role uh, you know, it really, I think, took it to another level. And also, I think the movie d- used it. Well, like, again, there were scenes like that where they, they showed, you know, what, what Shaq could do as, as his character. And then, you know, look, at the end of the day, I mean, this isn't really something to, you know, uh, you can't judge a movie based on this necessarily. But 
you know, I do consider the intention behind it. And, and I, you know, we all know Shaq is this, you know, uh, noted Superman fan, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit something to that too, where it's like, I know, and I, look, it was a job for him as well. But like the fact that he came to this with a love for the character, mm-hmm. I don't know, that means something to me as opposed to, you know, I don't know, like when he did the Kazam movie, I don't know, <laughs> that might have just been a paycheck sort of thing. But like, yeah, I feel like yeah. here, this, like this probably meant something to him. And I feel like that love for the character did come through. At least that was my take on it, watching it, you know? I agree 100%, man. Like, I I think that, like, he, he definitely brought, like, a love to it. And, like, you could tell he was trying to, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, like, I felt, I will say this, that, like, I don't think anyone in this movie was like phoning it in. Like even Judd Nelson, like felt like he was making character choices. Did you notice that? Like he was like, like it wasn't like he was just kind of like sleepwalking through it. Like he like actually like was making these like quirky, like character affectations and stuff to his guy, which like, again, bonkers that he was like in this movie, but like, yeah, like again, I, Oh, one of the things I want to bring up, do you remember the gang member with the eye patch? Yeah. Okay, so do you remember the scene where like Judd Nelson meets him in a park mm-hmm. and he's wearing like a necklace and and uh, Judd Nelson's like, oh, fancy necklace, like you really shouldn't be doing that. And the gang member says, he says, oh, we're all getting paid. What's wrong with a little floss? And Judd Nelson says, you floss too much, your gums bleed. As a kid, dude, I thought they were actually talking about flossing, and I was like, wait, why, why does he need to be rich to get floss? Like, like I totally didn't get that it was slang for the necklace. Like, I was like, like a 10-year-old, you know? And that was something that stuck with me for, like, years. Like, I was like, why does they have this weird thing about floss and steel? Like, and like, but watching it again now, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Like, I know. Oh, no, I know. That's so funny. Like, stuff that, you know... Uh, you know, it makes like that impression as a kid and maybe you don't have the full context for it. And then you finally, you know, it finally clicks years later. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I get what that was about. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I also have to say, again, like we said, they switched up from, you know, DC to Los Angeles, but I also felt that they did a really good job of taking you into that neighborhood and really like creating that little world for you there with his family and the gangs and everything. I mean, it felt, it felt realistic. Mm-hmm. What'd you totally. think? I mean, the way his the way his grandma's house was shot was like a little like storybookish. I thought like it was so bright, like the colors. Did you notice that? Yeah, like yeah, inside, yeah. It, it felt like the set of Full House or something. Like it was just so like the oranges and the pinks and everything were just so bright. And like when like he's walking down the street and it looks like a normal like Los Angeles street, and then comes to his grandma's house, it's like this bright yellow house. <laughs> like it was like that was a little funny, but like I thought it was cool how like his grandma's trying to open the restaurant the 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 black and blue the, yeah the a French a French I can't remember it was French mixed with something cuisine I can't remember what but but yeah it was like uh I, there was a very cool like world building I thought they did you know for yeah. like his whole supporting cast yeah that's the thing like that whole sequence where he gets off the bus and you know he's walking through the old neighborhood and he's seeing everybody and, and reconnecting and everything yeah I mean I I really felt like it it pulled you into that and it was a nice you know, again, we start off on the military side and then we kind of shift to this new setting, you know, and I, I thought it worked. Uh, let's take one more quick commercial break and then uh, we'll, we'll unpack the rest of this movie and, and we'll, we'll talk maybe a little more about the, the comic as well. So uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role playing in a dungeon, the Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana 
and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On to Your Shorts and Cullen on Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. All right, and we're back. I won't play the theme music again, but uh, it was such a cool theme. The, I it will was. say this, though. They used that a lot in the movie. <laughs> like, any time he did anything, <laughs> that, that theme would play. But it was it was pretty good. Yeah, no, it was it was a rousing theme for sure. It was like a, it was like a get you, like, pumped up kind of theme, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And then, uh, you know, one of, I guess the, um, a couple of other things that really stood out to me about this movie, you know, uh, not even so much, you know, the, the very, very specifics of it, but more big picture that I really appreciated. One was that the stakes were very grounded and small, but not insignificant, right? You know, there were these Mm -hmm. gangs using these weapons and they were stealing and they were hurting people. And John Henry was trying to stop it and keep his neighborhood safe. You know, Mm -hmm. as much as look, I see virtually all of the comic book movies that come out and they're they're great and i enjoy them i mean you know not every single one but for the most part generally speaking but like one pet peeve i have is like so many of them the stakes are always the end of the world or the end of the universe it's like it's so big all the time and so i actually thought Mm -hmm. it was very refreshing that uh you know it was really it was really focused on this this neighborhood and i I thought that worked well Mm -hmm. i agree i totally agree i think it made it like relatable too especially in the 90s you know like i felt like that hit so like it it was so uh, like relatable as like a kid growing up in the 90s like i don't know it it just just felt like something that could happen you know like as opposed to like aliens you know or something crazy you know yeah and then the other thing was that I guess overall, I, I appreciate this, but it was more that I, I was struck by it. You know, in the comics and certainly other depictions we've gotten of Steel in the cartoons and on Superman and Lois, you know, the, the, the armor is basically like Iron Man's armor in terms of, uh, especially in, in more recent depictions in terms of how it, you know, kind of forms around him and all that stuff, what it's capable mm-hmm. of. He's got the, you know, the, the, the boot thrusters that allow him to fly you know, there's there's a lot going on in the movie. It's very stripped down. I mean, it's it's just like a suit of armor. Like it's literally really a suit just of armor. a suit of armor. Uh, so they really they really scale that down. I mean, I'm assuming you know budget wise, but I don't know. It kind of like I said, it it just gave the movie even more of that street level feel, and mm-hmm. it, and it also again, I think made good use of Shaq's physicality because it's like. Almost anyone else, if you put them in that in that suit of armor, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know how you know how believable it would be or how compelling it would be, but it's you see him in that and it's like, well, all right, like, let's see what he yeah, can do. He looked cool. The armor looked cool on him. Like like I said, I wish he had the cape, but um 
I think it worked. And dude, the fact that the, the hammer was like giant, uh, like on his, was on his back, like the giant hammer and he kept it on his back. And like when he's on the motorcycle, he just looked cool. Like, I don't know. I was like, and the fact that the hammer, like you could flip it around and turn it into a gun. It was just so much like, like cool, like things that they were doing with it. You know, I don't know. I, I thought it was like very cool. Like, Cause I forgot how the hammer was that like oversized and like huge. Like I totally forgot that. Like watching again, I was like, and it just looked cool. Like on his back, like, I don't know. I was down with it. Um, my favorite steel costume is the one from the series that we just read. So the one that doesn't have the S and it's black and silver and then has the red cape. Like to me, that's like the perfect steel costume. And like this came so close to that. It just didn't have the cape, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, cape, cape would have been cool. But uh, I, I too like the hammer. I also had forgotten about it converting. So that was, I was like, oh, I, I totally forgot about that. Uh, what else? I mean, he has the uh, the magnet, right? That allows him to draw yes. in all of the, <laughs> the, the weapons. The guns. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you uh, know, as far as other, like, you know, corny lines and things like that, you know, there's that one point where, you know, one of the gang members is firing at him and he's like, I'll smoke you like a blunt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Again, like, so, I mean, as, as we're talking about this movie and as we're quoting certain lines, I mean, I don't know if people are, are listening to this. Like, oh, like, I, I don't know if it sounds appealing or not, but there's a certain charm to it. What, what's your i have a favorite line from the movie do you have a favorite line because i have a very distinctive favorite line so so the uncle the grandpa his grandpa no his uncle his uncle. uncle joe okay so uncle joe throughout when he's building the armor he'll be he, he first he goes well i'll be and then like then he does something else he goes well i'll be damned and then like he, he then he makes a jump in the in the armor he's like well, i'll be damned and then he gets shot out with bullets, and then he goes, "Well, I'll be dipped in shit and rolled in breadcrumbs." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" Like, it's such like a, it's like so funny, but so gross at the same time. It's like, yeah, no, that was that was funny. It was all you know. There's that there's that other scene too where um, Uncle Joe you know gives John Henry the 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 hammer, and he's like, "I really like the shaft of the hammer." Oh. And they give him a look, and I, I said to myself, like, oh, were they just like making a like a kind of a lazy a joke. gay joke or your penis joke? But then I, I looked up the ad. The actor played Shaft because I had I oh, had this feeling. Oh I was like, God, I, didn't... I was like, I feel like there's more to this than a penis joke. I was like, I feel like there's something, and so and so that was a kind of actually a nice nod. Oh wow, I did not know that. <laughs> I did not. I, I thought they were just making like a dick joke. That's what I thought they were doing. But yeah, that, that's really funny. See, look, there's another example. This movie's so much more sophisticated than everybody yeah. gave it credit for. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then you know, you mentioned you know we we're talking about sparks, right? You know, um, very much, you know, not dissimilar from Oracle. Oh yeah, totally. You know, the wheelchair-bound tech, you know, uh, partner. Well, I was actually thinking about this. Was this the first time in a live action like superhero thing? This was the first time there was like someone in the chair on the comm link talking in the ear, right? Like, I feel like it's such a trope now, like in all the, all the CW shows and the movies and stuff. But like, I feel like this was the first time that ever was done. That's a, you in, know, in a superhero capacity. You know what? I think you're right. I mean, keeping in mind, right, this is 97. We don't have that many yeah. comic book movies uh, ahead of it. Yeah. But like, I don't think the trope existed. Like, I feel like now it's it's a very much a trope. It's like yeah. the superhero has the comm link in their head, and like their tech guys like in their base like giving them in info, you know. But like, yeah, because the like, superhero movies prior to this, I feel like are like the Phantom, the Shadow, the Rocketeer, 
the Superman Batman, obviously. Like, I, I don't think any of them had that, you know? So it's, I think this might've been the first one. Look, another example of how this movie was really ahead of its time and like in all seriousness, it really was. And, and, you know, not just that, that they, you know, had, had someone in his ear, but that, you know, this was a, a female character who was in a wheelchair. I mean, that's not something that you would have necessarily expected to see, especially in the nineties. So they really like gave that character, you know, that, that prominent position. And, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. no, I mean, I think that was a, that was a cool choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact that like, like her and shit, like, like, they were like quasi love interest too, like sort of like it was like it wasn't like super overt, but it was like like it was like hinted at and like you know you know what I mean like it, it wasn't like like I, I, yeah it was it was just very different for that time period you know like it was very progressive I thought so you know it's interesting you say that and I I was because I was thinking about this because it definitely feels there definitely seems to be you know a, a, certainly a closeness between the two characters and I think you you early on in the movie you assume that they'll head into romantic territory at some point and they don't right we get a hug at the end and that and that's it yeah and so now i wonder on the one hand to your point maybe that was a progressive choice to show you know a, a healthy platonic relationship between a man and a woman which typically you don't see alternatively i don't know if you know maybe an interracial relationship they felt was you know i don't know taboo I, at the time to present on screen i don't know no, I mean, I, I think it was more of like, this is a movie for like 10 year old boys and like, we don't want to bog it down with romance. <laughs> like, like, I think that's more of what it was. Like, I, I really think it was more just like, this is definitely not like, we don't want to waste the audience's time with like stuff that the, our target demographic isn't going to care about. Like, I think that was kind of what it was more than anything, the fact that it was cropped. But like, I definitely felt like there was like, like something there, you know what I mean? Because they kept doing the finger thing and yeah. stuff, you know, like, I don't know, like, it was just... Yeah, I, we, there was, we, uh, we might have to explain that because if anyone hasn't seen the movie and we say that they were just doing the finger thing, that might be. A oh yeah, confusing. yeah, God, you're right. Yeah, no, 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 no. When yeah, you want to explain that they're like like Shaq like and Sparks that like when she's in the hospital bed, she like puts her like index finger up, then he touches her index, like almost like ET kind of. Yeah, but it's like yeah, uh, and then. Oh, you know, casting wise, right? So we talked about, so Uncle Joe, that actor had been Shaft and we talked about, yeah, Judd Nelson was, I, yeah, I don't know that I, I didn't remember that he was in this movie. So that was, I remember. I, okay. I had the action figure for Steel, obviously like three different Steels from the movie. I had a Judd Nelson character figure and I had a Sparks figure. Oh, wow. Like, I had, I had, dude, I had the whole set. Like they're at KB, they were like on like blowout clearance, like one Easter for like 99 cents. And like, I got like the entire set of them. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> And then, you know, the actor who plays Martin, the, and it's his cousin, right? Right? Is that oh, his yeah, yeah cousin? his cousin, yeah. That's yeah. Ray J of the, uh, you know, uh, the infamous Kim Kardashian video. That's oh. Ray J oh, as, a, as a kid in this movie. As I saw his name in the credits, I was like, that guy? And, and then I was like, who is he in the movie? And then I was like, well, this was quite some time ago. That's so yeah, crazy. he was the teenager. I'm trying That's to, crazy. I don't know that there was anyone else I'm trying to think in the cast wise who really stood out. I think those, those were kind oh, of, Oh, his Sergeant, I feel like is someone I've seen in a lot of movies, his commanding officer. Yeah. In the military. Like I've seen that guy in like tons of movies. I just, I don't know, like famous if it was anything like, you know, but if you Googled it, you'd definitely recognize the guy like, like from sitcoms. And so I feel like he's probably in how I met your mother or something, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, also uh, one other thing, going back to what I was saying before about, you know, kind of the, the you know, the, the grounded feel of the movie, uh, you know, with the exception, I think of the lasers 
ev- mm-hmm. everything looked like it was done practically as far as effects. True. True. So sometimes to the detriment. And, and I think that the fight scenes could have been better. That's the thing. Like when you first see Steel, his reveal in the suit, he kind of just like walks around a corner. It's not like, <laughs> it's not this like really cool reveal. It's like, and he looks good in the suit. So it's like, they could have made it better. But like, I feel like maybe you're, maybe budget combined with the fact that you were saying they couldn't get a stuntman for Shaq that like might've been why the fights aren't like great. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, no, that's true. And I mean, you look at a basketball career to protect. It's like, you can't, you know, it can't go too crazy. Here. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. There was again, the effects wise and story wise, you know, the, it definitely had its limitations, but yeah, there was something look, CGI is great. It's wonderful. It can accomplish a lot. But, you know, sometimes you watch these movies and it's just so much of that, especially when we get to the big final battles. It's all CGI. So there was there was something very quaint but refreshing about watching this and seeing all of these, you know, practical explosions and fist fights and, you know, the foot chase through the chain, the train yard. It's like that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. And it it was a unique like that was like a cool, unique um set piece too i thought because it's something we've never seen like in another superhero movie that i can think of like what so what's happening is it's it's late at night and there's a what would you even call it like a train yard where they said they're switching cars the, the guy the guy yells at shack's chasing a gang member who's like running from the robbery and shack's chasing chasing him down he runs into a train yard and there's a guy that's working there saying hey you're gonna get yourself killed. We're switching trains tonight, and the gang member just kind of like knocks him over, and like Shaq then runs and helps him. But like he proceeds to chase the kid through this like train yard where like the cars are like coupling with each other, and like Shaq has to like basically like maneuver his way through the trains as they're moving. And so like it was, I thought it was a very cool set piece. Me too. This one, you know, I don't know. All in all, I mean, I was I was I was pretty high on the movie coming into this, but even more so now as we're talking about it. It you know. I'm really, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm glad that I rewatched it because I really had had this view of it as this unfortunate, terrible, fo- as this unfortunate <laughs> yeah. footnote in the DC movie yeah. library. And I, I think again, going into it now with, with very low expectations, but, but also uh, again, I keep coming back to this. I think a lot of the things that people knocked it for in the past and maybe even still would knock it for now, I, again, I just found kind of cool because they were a change of pace again the practical exactly. effects and 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 i don't know and some of the cheesiness and stuff it's like it very yeah. much feels like a product of its time but it feels i don't know it feels I, I guess if i have a complaint about a lot of the current crop of movies especially the marvel movies they and i don't, I don't want to overgeneralize and i know some of the movies have done their own thing a little bit more but it's a it's a lot of that I don't want to say that they're formulaic, although they, they are, but I mean, like a lot of them just kind of feel the same to me. And if they don't Mm -hmm. to you, great, but they do kind of, so, so I feel like watching something like this, it's like, you know, this doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. And I like that. Like it was really cool to see something different. I'm sure your longtime listeners are probably scratching their heads being like, you guys didn't like Superman (laughs) two, but you like this, like what's wrong with you? But like, I was actually thinking about this going into it because like I, I was totally prepared to just like rave about this movie and I knew that people didn't like it. And like, I think for me, the difference is, is that 
has Superman 2 been the first Superman movie, I would have held it in like way higher regard. But the fact that Superman 1 came out and was so earnest and so good and like so like like well done to me compared to that second one is why I think I was so critical of it. And whereas like again, like Steel is like it's of a different time period, which again Superman 2 is too, but like it just it felt more earnest to me in some ways, which is really weird to say. Like specifically, like not the Donner cut, I'm not talking about the Donner cut, I'm talking about the theatrical Lester cut. Like there's just so much like like goofy stuff for goofiness sake, whereas like Steel, like the stuff that comes off as goofy is more like because of limitations of like budget and effects, as opposed to like we're trying to make something like ridiculous, you know? And like I feel like that to me is where like the intent comes from like to me like it's very clear that like the people making this movie were trying to make something really cool whereas like richard lester i think was just again i don't know the guy but like based up based off how great the first superman movie was to then how like weird the second one was is like i don't know like i just didn't feel that love you know so that's probably where my uh if i was going to defend my opinions on this is where i would come down on it you know, it's funny because I wasn't even thinking about Superman 2, but I'm glad you brought that up. And that's true. There might be people who are like, I can't believe these two. It's like yeah. <laughs> all these criticisms of Superman 2 and they're singing the praises of Steel. Like, what's the matter with yeah. them? But I, I agree with what you said totally. And I also would say from my own perspective, I think, you know, with Superman 2, I really had some fundamental issues with uh, with the with the treatment of the character of Superman at his core. I mean, this idea that and again, not to rehash that whole <laughs> discussion that we had, but this idea that he couldn't be Superman and pursue a relationship that he had to choose and that he makes the choice as quickly as he does and then instantly mm-hmm. regrets it and can't function as Clark because in this version of the story, Clark is basically meaningless. It's just this this persona that he adopts to preserve his identity. So I think that's the thing. It's just there were certain aspects of Superman 2 in particular that... I just have a hard time accepting as a Superman fan, like just at at its mm. core. Whereas yeah. here, it's like, yeah, there were some goofy things in the execution, but like we've been saying, I really think it did tap into the core of the John of Henry Irons character. Yeah, that basically, him being like a good, solid dude, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I think I am more forgiving of, you know, I'll smoke yeah. you like a blunt and like all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'll be dipped in shit and rolled in breadcrumbs, <laughs> Yeah, because it, yeah, it, it got also, the character. Like, also, John Henry Irons is like a totally selfless character in this movie. Like he does nothing out of like like self-interest or self-preservation. Everything he does is for other people. And I feel like that's a very as a kid, that was like such a powerful message to me. You know what I mean? Like and and going into like the comic book, like they they, they come close to it in the movie, but like in the comic book specifically, the the family says to him that like, like he's putting on his new suit and the, at the very end of issue one, he's putting on his new suit and the grandma is coming down the, the stairs and she's holding like a cape in her arms. And, and, and she says, so she's like, where's the S? And he's like, he's like Superman inspired something to the effect of Superman inspired me and I'm going to fight for truth and justice, but my fight might have to go outside the law, to take down these guns. And his grandma puts the cape on him and she's like, She's like, that may be so, but you're always going to be the black Superman to us. And like that, dude, as a, I'm getting teared up just hearing it right now. Like as a kid, as like a middle-class suburban white kid in the 90s, that shit moved me, man. That was like, like it, it told me that like you don't need the powers to be Superman. You know what I mean? And it was like, 
it's not the power. What I've always said about Superman is like it's not the powers that make him Superman. It's it's his good values, and John Henry Irons has that in spades, and that that is what makes him Superman. You know, and like the fact that like they they kind of touch on that in the movie, like because they can't really talk about Superman that much, but like it, it it's it's such a I feel like now in today's day and age, it's such a powerful character to have. Like, and I, and it, I kind of scratched my head as to why he's not utilized more. Like, why he doesn't have a main series? Why they don't have a movie in development with him or TV? I mean, I know he's on Superman and Lois, but like, like I don't know. I just think he's like so relevant and so like he was back then and he is now. Like, I just think he's such a great character for that. Yeah, I mean, I, no, it's it's really interesting to you talk about listening to you talk about being moved in that way, and you know, I, again, you know, we're two white guys here talking about this, but, you know, I mean, imagine if, if you were, you know, a young black kid at that time, you know, not having a ton of characters who, you know, you, you, you know, again, this idea of representation and seeing yourself reflected in the characters you're reading or watching didn't have a ton of that. I mean, thankfully more now, but, you know, to have a character like Steel, I'm sure was, was impactful for, you know, for a lot of kids who saw themselves in Steel. It was, and again, it was impactful for us, even though, you know, we, you know, yeah. th- that aspect wasn't there. But, uh, so I think there's really something to be said for that. And I, I think, as you were saying that, it's, it sparked this. I think that, you know, when we all, we were always talking about Superman and why the character resonates with us. And, and it's that, it's that choice to use the powers the way he does and that, again, that inherent goodness, that he does it because of the values he was raised with and all of that. And hand in hand with that is this idea of hope, right? The hope that he inspires. And I think why probably you and I in particular and other people like gravitate towards Steel so much is because Steel is the idea of that hope and inspiration fully realized. Like Superman mm-hmm. inspired someone to take up this mantle and become this character you know, this, this super, you know, this vigilante, uh, you know, in such a direct way. So it's like, you know, it's the hope, it's the inspiration. And it's like, okay, now you actually get to see that play out. Like this is someone who was inspired to go do yeah. something. Well, I mean, Steel, like in many ways, if you look at it that way, Steel's like us. Like he is like, mm, yeah. he's a guy. She's like literally like a regular guy, has no superpowers, wasn't born with anything like particularly like, I mean, yeah, he's like, physically like he's like he's like jacked and like strong and everything but like but he's like he's not an alien he's he wasn't given a green lantern ring he wasn't struck by lightning he's like a guy who was smart enough to create a suit and like just like through like just sheer force of will and like goodness like make a positive impact on the world around him and like i think like and again like what you're saying is like he's like he's like us someone who looked up to superman who like then made their life they they, be, they turned themselves into superman like through like good values and like i, I think it's it's such a I, it bums me out that he's overlooked as much as he is because like even when we were talking a couple of years ago at that convention when you were mentioned at the beginning of the show with brandon like brandon made a comment like oh i don't really know if there's much to talk about steel past six issues and i'm like i i totally disagree i think you could have a super long-running series of steel i think there's tons of stuff to mine with this character and like and, and in recent years, I've seen in I've seen some takes with him, like in the new 52 and stuff where like they almost kind of like approach him like a Reed Richards, like this like crazy, super smart guy inventor. And like, I don't like that either. Like, I, I like him as like, like smart enough to create the weapons, but like keep him in like the realm of reality. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want him making like time machines and shit. I want him like in the suit of armor fighting like corrupt, like businessmen and gang members and protecting his neighborhood and i think that's like that's so like 
that is still so relevant today. You know, like I think that the core of who he is is still super powerful and relevant. And I think there's so much more you can say with him. Dude, a thousand percent. So with respect to him being underutilized, yeah. I mean, and I was thinking about this, especially, you know, hot on the heels of, of Reign of the Superman revisiting that. And, you know, even just with thinking of those four characters who were introduced in that storyline, Steel is the only one who has been around consistently, right? Like even Superboy died in Infinite Crisis. He came back, then he was gone for New 52, then you know, he returned. Yeah. You know, so they've, they've gone, you know, they've died, they've come back, they've been erased from continuity, they've come back. Steel has always been there, but in for long stretches really has just been kind of on the back burner. Um, again, he had this one solo series. I know he's had a special here and there. And, you know, I, during the Jeff Loeb, Joe Kelly era of the Superman books that I talked about on the show like a year ago, you know, Mark Schultz and Man of Steel utilized Steel a good bit. And, uh, you know, and that was cool. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential, but I'm with you. I don't love, I, I think it's the difference between him in the lab versus him mm -hmm. in the junkyard in the like in the movie yeah <laughs> you know exactly it doesn't need to be a junkyard but i like i like the idea of him more as a man of the people like street level actually interacting with the world and the neighborhood because that's the thing and yes there are superman stories that do you know kind of have superman operating in that arena as well and look i'm coming off of reading the early 90s you know they, the books did a great job of you know having superman interact with all these different pockets of metropolis but you know at the end of the day when there's a big superman storyline it's almost always going to be you know one of the big villains big battles stuff like that but with steel like steel is that street level like grounded character and you, mm -hmm. you want him interacting with his family. You want him interacting with, with, the, with, the, with the kids in the neighborhood. And I don't want to lose that. So I agree with you. I think when they, if they position him too much, a la Reed Richards, like you said, and I think that's, that's an apt comparison, I think that mm -hmm. loses something. I mean, it's like, at least he's there, you know? Well, I, I, I also want him to stay a man of action, too. Like, I, I, like, to me, like, I like him when he's fighting with the hammer and, like, fighting bad guys, you know, like, so I, like, I remember in the new 52, I, I don't remember it super specifically, but like their take at the beginning of the new 52 was like steel was almost going to be like a, um, like a relief worker. Like he was like, he would go to like places where like, you know, like, uh, like a tsunami, like hit and he'd bring like supplies and stuff. And like, that's what he was using the super and like in the real world, that's super heroic and noble. But as like, as a comic book superhero character based in like action adventures, like I want him fighting bad guys with his hammer. You know what I mean? Like I, I like, like it was almost like a push to make him like almost like a real world character where it's like, like again, like I just like, I, I want him still being like, like a, like, like an action based guy. Like, cause I feel like if you make him too cerebral, you get away from like the steel part. If you just make him a scientist. Right. And like, that especially in comic books loses so much visual like energy and momentum you know what i mean like so like yeah i don't know i i just thought this this 90s series was perfect like yeah if, if dc ever wanted to reboot it and they needed an artist to draw like the new steel i'm there <laughs> i you know I, I would love to see you do that um was there anything else uh, from the the comic that we read that that stood out to you that we didn't talk about uh well the, yeah i'm trying to think like the uh the whole like tar thing like i remember that being a 
in this the steel in the comic it was like one gang had the weapons that he designed the other gang had the stuff called tar that was a drug that turned them into like hulk kind of kind of characters mm-hmm. so i remembered in the subsequent issues of some cool fights with steel fighting like basically hulks um yeah was there anything that popped out to you so the well, one thing we we pretty much already said but that you know how again how closely the movie stuck to the comic i mean you know the the first issue of the comic starts with him getting off the bus in DC from Metropolis. And he's like walking through the neighborhood and reconnecting with his family and then seeing these, you know, guns on the streets. Um, here we get Natasha who, you know, would continue his niece who would continue to play a long you know, role in the comics and would become, uh, her own Did version of steel steel. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, so, so that was cool again, just to see, and again, I watched, or you watched the movie first before the comic, but it was cool to, to see, uh, you know, to see those parallels. But I think my favorite scene though, from the comic was, uh, when he's, when he's having dinner with his family and they, I think the grandfather makes reference to him being steel. He's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, of course we know it's you. Yeah. Uh, and, and I thought that was great. And especially in the, going back to the movie too, when the grandmother sees the news footage and it's like this seven foot tall, <laughs> you know black man who's very polite polite, and it's like of course like who else could it possibly i mean especially in the movie with Shaq, it's like (laughs) mask or no mask it's like who else (laughs) yeah it's it's Shaq for sure yeah uh but yeah i mean from the com i mean that i think that was kind of it from the comic but i i enjoyed it i mean i'll be honest i was kind of i've been sort of on the fence as far as you know, would I do a full read through of that 50 issue series for the podcast? I was kind of like, I don't know. I'm leaning much more toward it now after, after what we've just gone through. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'd commit to going through all 50 of them, but like, I definitely am interested to keep going. You know what I mean? Like for as long as, you know, like the series, like is like, you know, holding my interest and stuff. I mean, I'm pretty bad nowadays. Like my, uh, it's so hard for me to like get time to like read comics. Not like, not get time is the wrong word. It's like I get I'm so tired and I work in comics all day that like it's hard, almost hard for me to like read comics now. But, um, but yeah, like I, I'm definitely into like reading this book again and like and the fact they're all on Comicsology. Like I definitely think I'm gonna like buy like the next like six of them and just see how it goes, you know, and like see if uh, you know, like I mean, I freaking love Steel, so I. Yeah, man, I just I just want there to be more of it. Like something I want to ask you was if they were going to reboot this character for a movie, like like if they were going to do a Steel movie, like who who do you think could be Steel? Like because like talking about Shaq, like I was saying, like I don't know if there's like a modern equivalent. Like I feel like The Rock is like the closest, but he's like already Black Adam, so he can't be Steel, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I really do like who they have on Superman and Lois. But yeah, I mean, if we're talking about a different version for the movie, I would have to think about that. But I just to, to uh, pick up on what you were saying about, you know, maybe you would want to read more and, and, and such. This is my prediction. I think what's going to happen is you're going to finish the first season of Superman and Lois. And okay. then you're going to text me and you're going to be like, I want to do another episode on Steel and I want to talk about Superman and Lois and I'll read however many issues you want to read. But I okay. that's... I, I really just have this suspicion that that's okay. the text I'm going to get at some point once you're okay. done watching uh, and I'm game to do it. And I'm going to be like, yes, let's do it. Cause uh, I, again, I, I love the show's treatment of him and I'm intrigued by this comic series. And, you know, so Louise Simonson wrote the first 30 
And then there were a few fill-in issues, and then Priest wrote the remainder of the series. So there is actually a decent, you know, kind of yeah. kind of break point if we if we wanted to. But in any event, as far as a movie, I don't know. But I actually had a movie-related question for you. I don't think there's any chance of it happening, but we do have this multiverse Flash movie coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, how you know how cool would it be if we got a Shaq appear? Shaq? Oh my God, dude! <laughs> I would like. I would lose my shit if Shaq showed up. Like, oh, dude, would you want him in the '97 suit, or would you want them to like try to make the suit more like the comic book, like with the full face mask and the cape and everything? I, I think, you know what? I think they should upgrade. If 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 they even put it, again, I, I don't think this is happening at all. But like, I don't think for, it, for no. argument's sake, you know, like let's say he shows up in this and they put him in a costume. Uh, no, let them upgrade. The, I would have, I would have, I would go for a costume upgrade. What about you? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would just more than anything, I just want the cape. Like, I, I know the the full face mask in the comics looks great, but I don't know how you would translate that in real life. Because like in the in the comics, like his face moves too. It's like it's not like, like right. It's like it's like Batman Beyond, where like the mouth and eyes and stuff move. So like, I don't know how you would translate that to like reality. You know, like an iron mask that like like moves the lips and everything. But like, yeah, dude, I would just love to see him with the cape, cape and the hammer. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's look, what I would want. Again, I don't I don't think you know, the, the for the filmmakers of this movie, the producers for Warner Brothers, you know, I'm sure they made their list of like, okay, w- what would fans want to see? What will serve the story we're telling? Who who can we get? And I I don't think the Steel movie would probably be on anyone's list, but I think Shaq would do it in a heartbeat. Oh, he would you, totally was, do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would for sure, but I yeah I don't know that that they would recognize any any value in that, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, it's like you know you look at the crisis uh, TV event, and you know obviously there were some characters who really got a lot of play who they pulled in from other versions, but then there were some who were just you know there and there and gone quickly. So you know with mm-hmm. Shaq, you just be like a quick, just like a quick little thirty second thing. I don't know if there were ever an opportunity for it, it's this. If like if it was Shaq like holding his helmet in his hand and he had the cape on and he had like the hammer over his back, like holding with his over his back. And he like had like a quick line of dialogue, just like, just in that pose, like, like that, that would like make my fucking decade, dude. That'd be so dope. Like, yeah. Well, do you remember on, um, in the Arrowverse, not crisis, but the year before when they did Elseworlds and as Barry and Oliver were jumping through the portal to get to, to, uh, uh Kara's earth, and they go to Smallville and they play Save Me by Remy Zero, the Smallville theme song. I don't remember that. I don't think I saw that. Oh, you will like th- that. If nothing okay. else, I think you'll you'll enjoy. But, you know, that moment when all of a sudden you heard that music start, it was like, oh, my God, it's Smallville. <laughs> if in this Flash movie you get a few seconds of that steel theme. Oh, dun, 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 dun. oh yeah, dude, that would be so dope. Yeah. You know, though, it's funny because... Again, you and I recognize like that's a very slim chance, but you know, I feel like so much of this stuff it comes down to what you know, what affection the 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 filmmakers have for the stuff that they might have grown up watching. So it's like, I don't know, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. Like if the if someone involved was yeah. like, hey, you know, that steel movie was actually pretty good. Like let's throw Shaq in there. <laughs> That's true. I mean, the director, I don't know how old he is. I feel like if he's like around our age, there's a strong possibility that Steel might show up. If he's older than us by like 
five years, he probably thinks the movie was like garbage and doesn't want to like watch it. So doesn't want to incorporate it. So I think it all depends on how old that director is and how old he was when Steel came out. You know? Yeah. Well, in any event, you know, there's there's a lot of untapped potential with Steel, and I think the fact that you know he's stuck around is great. But I feel like, unfortunately, more often than not, he's just kind of there. Right. And he's this utility player that they can kind of use when they need some backup for Superman. And like, that's fine. He's a great ally to Superman. And I like that role. But, you know, there needs to be more. And I think there really there's so much potential there. And I, you know, that's the other thing, too, watching the movie and and the comic, too. I mean, you're dealing with, you know, uh, you know, city life and gang violence and weapons on the street in the hands of people who shouldn't have them the the military industrial complex and like who's profiting off of all of this it, it, you know there are a lot of issues to mine here that are still relevant i mean i feel yeah. like someone really needs to like look alive here because there's perfect material right here yeah and, and the fact that like he's part of the superman family but he feels so different like in terms of like like the world that he's dealing with like he doesn't really like to my knowledge doesn't really fight like aliens like parasite and lobo that much you know what i mean like his like like the world he exists in is such a different flavor from like superman's that like i feel like it it adds like a unique kind of like like diversity to the dc line you know like and like i just i really want them to like focus like like to, to to realize the potential of this like i know that um michael b jordan is doing the superman movie right with jj abrams right and like, I, it probably won't be. But how awesome would it be if it turns out to be a steel movie? Like, how friggin' awesome would that be? Like, I mean, it probably won't be. It'll probably be like their own take on Superman. But like, I just feel like there's there's a, there's a lot to mine here. Like you said, that's like, and, and it's really good, powerful shit. You know. And you know, it's it's funny too because Iron Man right became so popular, mm-hmm. and Steel is the DC's closest equivalent. So you would, you would think, and again, I don't, this should not be, and I, I mean, generally speaking, this, I don't think is a good motivation, right? A studio shouldn't just be looking to copy, right? They should be trying to go in their own direction, but that's not often what happens, right? More often than not, they see what was successful elsewhere and they try to replicate it. And it's like, you've got the perfect equivalent here. It's just shocking to me that there hasn't been more done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause it's like like i feel like steel he's got like the like the heart and the personality and the goodness of superman but like the cool wish fulfillment aspect of like putting on a suit of armor like iron man and like flying around and like doing like all that cool like it's like i feel like it's like kind of like the best of both worlds it's like a little bit of like both you know it's like you've got that like that inherent superhero kind of like iconic flavor mixed with that like kind of like edgy iron man like like tech like like hardware thing going on you know like i don't know i just it's it's a it's definitely a, a gold mine for sure that if someone you know someone some producer just hopefully someone hopefully there's producers that listen to your show and they hear us talking about it and they're like you know what that's a good idea like i'm gonna green light this <laughs> that would be great i don't know uh i also doubt shack whatever this would ever come across shack's uh you know uh, podcast menu but you know if if if, if shack ever <laughs> he listens, might do shack might be a listener man he likes superman that's you true I'll, you know when i put this out i'll tweet him and i'll be just be like just Look, like we really enjoyed this movie we we were almost two hours singing the praises of this movie yeah yeah 
uh, but the, you know, the, like maybe the last thing is that uh, you know we've talked so much about steel and and steel's place in the Superman mythology and and how large you know Superman looms in, in John Henry deciding to do this, but then there's also John Henry, the folk hero. So there's also that aspect of of the mythology that Steele draws from as well. This man who went up against the machine and beat the machine. Um, so like, again, there's, there's a lot of stuff there that can be explored. Speaking of that, one of my favorite incarnations of steel is from the new frontier. This is kind of like a, a segue off of this, but in the new frontier, it's a book that takes place by Darwin cook and it takes place in the sixties, right? Like that's when that book takes place. It's, I'm trying, I think it's like like the 50s into the 60s, I think, is the yeah, general okay. time frame. Yes, yeah, like the 1950s going to the 60s. And like there's a character in there called John Henry who is like, how would you describe him? He's like, it's, it's, it's in the South where there's segregation and he's got like a hammer. I, I'm trying to remember, but he's like, isn't he trying to like escape the South? That's the thing. Yeah, you know, so New Frontier is, so is my favorite comic book story, like all of all time. And yet oh, wow. it's been a while since I've read it and I wish I had yeah. these details right off the top of my head. But if I mean if I'm not mistaken, was the character not did he escape a lynching and then he became yes. a vigilante? Yes, because he had the hood on with the, yes. with the noose. Right? Yeah. And then eventually he dies, right, in that book. And this is this is where like it it was became so like like powerful to me because like he dies and then the epilogue to that story is you see a kid reading about it in the newspaper and he's wearing a football jersey that says irons on the back of it and i'm like holy shit that's john henry irons reading about the john henry like this like guy who was kind of like a john henry like modern day john henry like it just kind of like it was really like like it was really interesting how darwin cook load it you know what i mean into like to, to, to the modern john henry irons you know it was it was uh yeah that was, was really good. cool and i appreciated that especially because you know the period of time cook was working with it was, you know he was you know he was depicting the transition from the golden to the silver age right and of course mm-hmm. you know the, the character of steel doesn't show up until the 90s so you know like he made a conscious choice to incorporate you know that character mm-hmm. into that story and i thought that was really cool i like that too a lot uh, which which was neat. Yeah. The the animated movie I think cuts out basically all of it, but I think in the ending montage I think you do see the kid Irons reading a comic. I think or reading a story yeah. about something like that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think they cut out the John Henry character though, because I think for like a, it's, it's it's like really dark stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like horrible dark stuff, and I don't think they wanted that in like a kids movie. So, um, but. But yeah, but Steel Man, like again, like if they could reboot, it, like do you have any like wish, wish actor if 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 you could have anybody? I mean, to be honest, Michael B. Jordan would probably be at the top of my list. I mean, I've been a fan he of him from The Wire, Friday Night Lights. Friday I mean, Night of, Lights. I, of course, yeah. now he's in everything, but even before that, I've I've long been a Dude, fan of his. When he was in Friday Night Lights, I remember talking to my roommates. I'm like, this guy would be a great Steel. Like I remember thinking that back then. Like this, so yeah. Michael B. Jordan would be awesome. Um, well, yeah. What about you? Who guy, do you have in mind? Well, I mean, The Rock obviously is like who the first one comes to mind. Not only because he's big, but also because he's like he's like that like genuine, like good-hearted. Like he comes across as very like likable and friendly and polite and everything. Um, so he's got that like warm warmness that I want Steel to have. Um, 
I feel like Idris Elba is too old, but I feel like at one point he would have been good. You know what I mean? Like if, if in like 2003, 2004, he would have been awesome. Um, and then the guy, did you watch Bridgerton on Netflix? No. The main actor on Bridgerton, he, I mean, he'd have to take like the WB horse steroid regimen that they put all their actors on to get like massive. Cause he's like kind of skinny, but he would be, he's a really good actor too. I think he would be, I think his name is Reggie John Pierre. I think okay. he's French. I'm not, I'm not, I can't remember his name, but it, um, it's something, Roger John Bridgerton, the main guy in Bridgerton. I Bridgerton think guy. We got you. Yeah. Um, and, but then other than that, I don't know, maybe like an unknown, you know, or, or again, too old, but do you ever watch um, Brooklyn nine, nine? Sure did. Terry Crews, he probably would have been good at one point. I mean, he's too old now, you know, but. Um, yeah, I do like, yeah, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine and, uh, yeah. and I love Terry Crews. Yeah, they're, yeah, I mean, the thing with an unknown, that definitely could work. I feel like putting our, like, you know, uh, executive hat on, it's like they would probably go with someone more known because the character isn't as well known, right? So it's like at least yeah. then you would have some yeah. star power because the, the name Steel might not get people so excited, but yeah yeah hey you can go lebron james because he, he's in movies now you can follow in the, the nba footsteps and have lebron james do it. i mean i think he'd be great like he definitely would have the presence for it for sure it's uh yeah or you know or you just you revive this this story and you bring Shaq back and it's just we pick up with john henry years later yeah that's true too i mean that could work too yeah <laughs> i mean he's too old too i mean i feel like you need someone relatively young for these movies just from like a, a practicality standpoint you know of yeah. like doing the stunts and everything yeah no i'm sure there's someone out there whether one of the names yeah. we threw out or, or someone else but uh yeah I, you know hopefully we, yeah, we see a, there's more of a comeback for the character i also want to be clear that's not me being ageist because i feel like i'm too old to be <laughs> one of these characters like i feel like i wake up every day like oh i'm creaking in pain like i can only imagine like if you're 50 and ask to put on a suit of armor and run around and like fight people. It's like not happening. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I know I have, I have numerous clicks like all day. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, yeah. uh, no, I get it. Listen, man, this has been beyond fun. Is there anything else that you want to say before we sign off? No, nah, just thanks again for having me. And if anyone out there is even quasi interested in steel after hearing us talk about it, read the 1994 series and check out the movie for sure. Right on. Uh, and for anyone who wants to follow you, where's the best place to do that? Uh, Instagram is at VKenMarion and Twitter is at VKMarion. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, so I hope people will do that because you post so much awesome art all the time. So hopefully people will uh, will follow Thanks, you and, and check all that out and check out what you're doing uh, in, in comics. I know you're working on a new project that uh, I know you've been posting art for, Death Shroud, right? Mm -hmm. yep yep um in the middle of that right now it's uh it's going really good it's gonna be super cool uh should be dropping next year sometime but i'm not quite sure about that we don't have that all ironed out yet but yeah check out my page for posts uh the costume is really cool it's very complicated so it's taking a while to draw but it's uh it's a really cool design character and yeah it's gonna be super rad so if you guys like uh action-packed comic books uh keep an eye out for death shroud coming your way nice. it's gonna be awesome very nice. Uh, well, this is great. You know, I, I think the last time it's been a while since you were on the show. I mean, I think it was, I don't know, like Cider April cutting. or something since, because we did a, yeah. we did our Smallville, our top 10 
Smallville. Is that after Snyder Cut? I think so. I'd have to double check, but I, in any event, it's been months. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Yeah. So it's really good to get you back, and uh, I I don't think it'll be too long before you're back again. So uh, I hope everyone uh, will uh, will will come back when you do, and also keep tuning in to upcoming episodes. Like I said, in two weeks, uh, Justin DeVoe is coming back, and we're going to be talking about the DC Injustice animated movie, and actually next week. So before Injustice, next week, uh, we have a special bonus episode, a Batman-centric installment, where we'll be looking at the Batman Long Halloween saga. So... Right, just in time for Very Halloween, cool. it'll it'll be great. So, uh, so that's what's coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, thank you, as always, uh, for checking out the show. Thank you, Ken, for taking part, um, and uh, keep tuning in. Until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Shegel. Music by Basic Printer. Join the conversation by becoming part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group. Follow Digging for Kryptonite on Instagram and Twitter and visit flatsquirrelproductions.com to explore more of my film and podcast projects.